11 o'clock comics episode 109 that's every episode, isn't it? It is, sure as hell is. It'll be like, dang, dude. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for the kick gap in the balls episode. That's a lot. Apparently, I'm going to kick some balls, not like the Doctor Who. Dude, that's the right. Retarded, the retardist comment. Come on, you laughed. Little, I laughed, but I'm a little pissed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you got to take things in stride. It was funny. It was damn funny. Well, I knew who it was coming from, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the retardus. Yeah, I missed you guys last week. Yeah, yeah, we missed too. Yeah. Julian, Julian was good. Julian was great. He was a lot of fun. <laughs> you damn well, why he's, he's, he he's just a little crazy. Just a little. Just a little crazy. Well, that's but what makes him good. Yep. That's why people listen to our shows for the crazy. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot of <laughs> last week. I don't under- Why? <laughs> why do we attribute that which we don't understand as crazy? He's not crazy. Julian? No, Julian is smart, is savvier than all of us. Not, not, not all of us. Not <laughs> oh, except for me. I'll get that. modest. <laughs> and he's a ninja, which makes him dangerous too. It's true. That's right. Robots. Does he fight right. bears? Bear naked. Hey, everybody! Eleven o'clock comics. One o nine. I am Vince B. Wahoo. I'm Christopher Neesman. Damn. <laughs> I'm David Price. Hi, everybody. Woo. And I'm the guy that took Rogue's virginity. That's right. I'm Bob Reynolds. No, you're not. You're you're Jeebus. Jeebus uh, yes. Jeebus Wu. No, no. Yeah, no, I'm not Jeebus. You're not. Of course. You don't fuck you, with the Jesus. You no, are. <laughs> you are Jason Wood. Everybody. Good to have you here, Jason. Good to have. Good to be here, Vincent. Aw, you guys are cute. There's there's somebody else we have though. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh, where? I don't see anybody. He's oh, yeah. No, he's, he's, all the the way, he's all the way out there. He's, I he's see him now. He's probably hung up by now. He's, he's, in, he's in the basement. He's a very attractive man. He's <laughs> taken. He's married. Great taste in hats, too. He is, he is extremely talented. I, I know that much. And, and I think we might have talked about him once or twice on this show, especially Maybe. me and Chris. Right. Yep. Jack Kirby. Oh, Jesus. The ghost of Jack. No. Uh, it's. it's oh. <laughs> I wish. There we go. I wish. Who is that? Who is that guy? Tell them, David. That's Chris Omni. Yay! Sounds like hey, everybody. Actual talent on our show. (laughs) We're getting all blown up. We got the real Chris. Yeah, we got bona fide artists up in here now. Actually, we had talent Uh, two weeks in a row. I know. This is crazy. It's getting scary. Working on three Pete. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Good. Are you are you like in the moving van right now? Um, sort of. Sort of. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm not, not literally. But, yeah, I mean, we are still, you know, packing everything up and getting ready for the move. Um, Laura just scheduled our pod, you know, to be dropped off. And it's happening. It's really happening. So, <laughs> Where are you moving little, to, Chris? We're moving to, uh, <laughs> to the home of, of Marvel guess. West Coast. <laughs> Portland, Oregon. Hilarious. That's where all, yeah, it's a prerequisite. Yeah, everybody has to move to Portland now, apparently. Nice. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I uh. Try and get everybody who actually still lives in Portland who doesn't make comics. We're going to either get them to make comics or just mm-hmm. move out of Oregon. 
Nice. <laughs> yeah, we talked about so. uh, Stumptown a little bit last week for the. Uh, we talked about the Stumptown Comic Festival that just happened. So. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, be... I'm looking forward to that being a local show now. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, no kidding. I'm gonna maybe we'll have to go out there next year with all you people out there now. That'd be awesome. I'm 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 a little sad because whenever I go down to St. Louis, I always try and um, uh, get in touch with with Chris and and his and his awesome wife, and I won't be able to do that now. It makes me a little sad. See that doesn't make them sad. I don't. Yeah, think. I know. I was just no, saying, Chris is all thank God. Seriously. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm going to see Neesman once a month or so. We gotta get out of the town. <laughs> oh, but you figure, Chris, you make what seven, eight trips to Portland to stalk Rucka every year, anyway. So it's <laughs> just yeah, that you, two birds in one stone. There's don't, a man. Don't, don't give up my red eye secrets. <laughs> there's a man in the bushes. Anyway, this comic book bear hug has been sponsored by. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, where you can get huge out of this world discounts on all your favorite comics and collectibles. If you're a first time uh, supporter of uh, Discount Comic Book Service, you get an extra 8% off your order by using the code EOC8, right? In, yep, yes. in that little box. And you can get 35, 45, sometimes up to 75% off junk and if you put that little code in there you'll get an extra 8% off on top of that nutty and I've been telling you about it for a lot of weeks but we are on the threshold this Saturday is the Summit City Comic Con Woo! you can find out a hell of a lot more than I'm going to tell you at www.summitcitycomiccon.com this Saturday this very Saturday coming up you you have to be there. It's ten bucks to get in. If you're an artist, you already know, but you get a six foot long table for free. It's gonna focus on the she artists, said. which is really cool. You can go at the to the Grand Wayne Center in downtown Fort Wayne. Um some of the people that are gonna be there, Yao, I even forgot how many. It, it, the, the list increases increased by the week. We have Andy Jewett, the man, Ben T, Chris Burnham, Gary Friedrich, Adam Besson Yodi, Hillary Barda. Yes, Jeffrey it, it Brown. Depends on how it depends on how safe I get him down there. Oh, you're taking him down. <laughs> I'm taking Hill. <laughs> oh, Godspeed, Hill. Godspeed. <laughs> Jeffrey Brown, Jim Nelson, Jim Rugg, John Colsar, Katie Cook, Matt Kent, Mike Norton, Robert Atkins, Ryan Stegman, Steve Bryant, Tim Seeley, Tom Cioli from Godland. A whole mess of people are going to be there, and so will you if you you heed my words, because it's going to be off the hook. Summit City Comic Con this Saturday. Be there. That's be great. Yep. And forty. We're all here, yeah. and we have yes. a guest, and so oh, drink, yeah. drink roll call. Right, I'm, I'm, ah. uh, I'll lead us off because mine's kind of a downer. Sorry, guys, I'm not feeling um, so well, and as we just said, I'm going to Summit City this weekend, so I'm trying not to get any any more under the weather. So I'm being a poo pooer, and I'm drinking some Monk's Blend tea with a little lemon in it. Oh, disgusting! I never pegged you as a poo pooer. Do what? You couldn't even Irish it up a little bit. You know, it's not a hot toddy. Nurse Marta is going to be here in a second, and she's going to send me to bed. So if if she smelled mm. if she smelled the medicine on me, it could be bad, Chris. <laughs> but, uh, <sighs> but I tell you what, why don't you why don't you pick me up because I'm I'm going to be having many drink roll calls this weekend. So why don't you pick me up for tonight and let us know what you're drinking? Uh, tonight I am drinking a Boulevard Unfiltered Wheat. Wonderful, which is awesome. I used to love their slogan, the Boulevard, because the, they're in Kansas City, right? Hmm? Their their slogan used to be the second biggest brewer in Missouri. Nice. That is hot. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> I have to order some of that. Unheard <laughs> of. Now, Chris, uh, you're uh -huh. sort of the show. How's the mouthfeel? No, Chris Somney. How's the mouthfeel on that one? 
know, that just sounds so weird. I'm not ever going to comment. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. All right. All right Wood, what kind of mouthfeel do you have tonight? Well, I have to say, we've done a hundred and, well, I haven't been on it. So we've done roughly, I've done 104, I think, drink roll calls. And I may be more proud of this one than I've ever been before. Because not only is it a drink that we haven't talked about before, but it is in honor of our special guest. Yes, I am drinking a Hammer of Thor. Wow. What? Wow. Yes. So you ask yourself, Wood, what is a Hammer of Thor? And I say to thee, it is, in a highball glass, one part vodka, one part cranberry juice, and one part lager, which in my case, I'm drinking a Stella Artois. Really? Mix it up and drink the hell out of it. Why is it called the Hammer of Thor, you ask? Because just like Majolner, it thooms your ass. I was just going to say, you drink too much of those, you'll be blind like Papa Odin. So That's pop- right, babe. Yeah, wait, okay, so it's it's a it's a lager. It's va- vodka? It's, it's basically, yeah, it's, it's basically... It's, 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 it's a greyhound with beer? Exactly. Ah, okay. It's hmm. much better than you would think it is. That, I, sounds very, that sounds very refreshing. I looked online for a Somni-themed drink... And uh, there is no such thing as the Somni that I'm aware of. So um, so I came across a, a this Thor drink and thought, well, I don't know if it's going to taste good, but I damn sure I have at least one for, in honor of our boy. Yeah. And uh, as it turns out, it's good enough that I'm already on my second. Nice. Look at that. I'm going to try that. You could have made your own drink and called it a Talented Bastard. Mm-hmm. True. Oh, that? Oh, I could have oh. drank Talented Bastard Ale. Nice. Oh, there we go with the nice. My bad. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. All right, nice. David. How about you? What are you? What are you stepping on this evening? Uh, where's the bottle? Uh, <laughs> Bola Chianti. Oh, what is Pinky uh, mm-hmm. Well, Chianti from from Italy. From Italy, man. That's where I'm from. No way. Yes way. Nice. You're from Pennsylvania. The island. I'm from the island. This oh, is that right little Sicily. Sicily. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the island, Vince. Pepe Max. Oh, you hurt me. Yeah. The, I'm I'm driving on holy gasoline. I love this stuff. It is the best. Thank God. Thank God Somni's here to pick us up this week. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I always let us down. (laughs) Excuse me? Did you say Pepsi Max? Yeah, I love it. Seriously? (laughs) Oh, no. Thank you, Chris. Oh, I... Does that make your teeth feel weird? My my balls. (laughs) (laughs) So now feel weird. I I am now outnumbered. Yay. I will drink in honor of all of you. (laughs) So what are we doing tonight? What are we what doing? doing? What are we doing? Before well, wait. we get to anything. I took, I, took, I took a week off. My mojo's off. Yeah. And you <laughs> the, still haven't uh, forgotten how to talk over other people. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn. It's the VIX. That's what it is. Yeah. Breathe all that. <laughs> but do you know what today is? Avengers Day. That's right. Today's Avengers Day. Sure. Yes. And, and Avenger. And <laughs> and somebody we know in this digital room is working on a book featuring an Avenger. A mighty Avenger at that. That's, One that's of the right. Avengers. Yes, the Avengers. Would you please tell us about that book? That came out that I did. That's right, yes. Age wow. of Heroes, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Age yeah. of Heroes um, with uh, Remember. Tucker Boo's uh, story. Uh, awesome. Nice. And yeah, I haven't read it yet. I am also working on an Avenger book. Of course, he lives in Portland. You have to. It's the law. <laughs> oh boy! So I, I'm a little bit confused as to this Thor book. David kind of straightened me out a little bit, but I would rather hear it from you because you're working well. on it. Yeah, uh, it's an ongoing. It is an ongoing, and it's an all ages book, but it's uh, not in the Marvel Adventures line. Correct. Okay. And it's not technically all ages. Um, okay. Marvel has sort of a weird, um, you know, scale for you know their ratings. So there's 
all ages, which is the Marvel Adventures line, most of it. Above that is A, and then it's, you know, T+. So mine is just above the all ages book. So, I mean, I wouldn't give it to a three-year-old, but I think anybody can still read it. Great. That makes any sense at all. And uh, not that I care. Yeah, it's uh, it's not to the Marvel Universe. It's not 616. It's a reimagining of Thor's mythos. In, okay. In the same way that it, it's sort of, you know, along the same lines as what Bendis did with, um, like, Spider-Man or something in the, in the Ultimate Universe back in the day. Oh, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, because that you just you just answered my question. I was going to say, what about continuity? Is it is it tied to the big picture, or is it something new? Oh, this is awesome that it's new. Yeah, it's totally new. It's we're it's almost like uh, like a creator own book. I mean, there's it's not tied huh. really to any continuity out there already, other than you know these are all characters that people know for the most part. Um, we have a lot of the Avengers popping up, but this will be the first time that Thor actually meets them. So like you know. Captain America shows up, and Giant Man, and the Wasp, and uh, Iron Man. We still have lots of the core Avengers group. This, since this is actually Thor's first time on Earth, that he'll be meeting all these people for the first time. Oh boy! Right. Are they offering lifetime subscriptions to this yet? <laughs> 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 this sounds great. It, it reminds me of uh, awesome. like the first class, the the, the X Men first class books, where it's you, you know yeah, the characters. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's a different take on them. Right. Cool. I mean, it's still the same core. I mean, it's still Thor. You know, it's still, you know, it still feels like all the characters that you know. You don't have to go into it knowing, you know, what happened in Straczynski's run or what happened in the 70s or 80s or whenever. You can just pick it up. You, I mean, as long as you know that you want to read a, a fun comic, then that's it. That's really all you got to go in knowing. And there is um, absolutely no Donald Blake, right? Um, no, not in this book. I mean, not as of yet. Um, okay. Not that I know of. <laughs> um, okay. It all just so seems a little convoluted. I mean, the the Donald Blake secret identity, I never really understood as a kid. Um, like, where did he go when Thor showed up? <laughs> Why does he have to be there? You know, like, I mean, nothing against people who like Donald Blake, but I always just thought he was kind of a toss-away character. You um, just don't understand, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if Blake is not present, what will be the Achilles heel? How are they going to humanize him a little bit. Uh, well, since this is Thor's first time on Earth, he's also, um, he's, a, he's kind of, he doesn't know exactly how he got there or what happened. It's a, there's a little bit of an amnesia sort of thing going on. I hate that it you know, sounds like a stereotypical sort of, you know, amnesia story. It's totally not. Um, but he comes to, to Earth without knowing exactly why he's there. Um, and uh, it humanizes him in that he's still trying to, to get the hang of Earth. Like, he doesn't know what's going on, so I think just him being, you know, kind of clueless as to what is happening all around him, he's, he's used to being, you know, a prince in Asgard, and now it's like a polar opposite, and now he's on Earth, and he just has to deal with what's going on here. It's, uh, there's, there's crazy stuff going on. It's going to be it's gonna be great. I'm actually working on the third issue right now, and it, it just keeps getting better. Now, speaking of issues, we, we should we have to make people aware that there are two issues coming out in July, right? Right, right. Right, yeah. In July, we double share. So, um, issue one comes out at the beginning of the month, and then, I guess, a couple of weeks later, we'll have issue two. Um, so, yeah, um, we really wanted to uh, to get people hooked on it. If they like that first issue, then, you know, they don't have to wait a whole month for the next one to be out. So the second one will be just around the corner. That's um, cool. Yeah, so... It was a little bit of extra work, but, you know, I, I'm really jazzed that it's 
you know, we're going to have two out in the same month. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, now and with plus the, the cover, you know, since it's out in the same month, we got to do uh, two covers that actually butt up to one another to make one big image. <laughs> That's cool. And you even have the little the. the I, well, he looks like a teenager to me, but you have the one guy reading a comic with the cover of the first issue on the cover of the second. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not in the book. No, I know, I know, no, I know. <laughs> the um, right. oh no, David. Oh, the the <laughs> now, now, now with two issues coming out, and 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 as far as your personal life going, and and you moving out west and everything, did that, did that screw up your schedule? Basically, how how fast are you? Will will how long um, before we we Miss a month, or, or or unfortunately get a fill-in. Oh no! Oh, it's not oh awesome! Yeah. Thank you. Did, no, did you, did you have? Yeah, did you have enough enough lead time to get ahead a little bit and and be able to do the move? And because I know that you you were juggling a lot of a lot of stuff. You uh, you stay pretty busy, but but uh, you know first you know first question. Whenever you got offered the job, were you excited or did you have like any any trepidation about doing a Thor book? And second oh. of all, what what did you do to stay on schedule? Um, well, when I was off of it, I I think I, all I did was jump around for about an hour. Uh, I can't even tell you how excited I was. Um, I've been working on Siege Embedded um, for... Which was like, great, by the way. You did a great oh, job. Oh, it was beautiful, yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, I was working on it for, I don't know, probably two or three months, and I was getting towards the end of it. I knew it was only a four issue, um, and I was starting to wonder, you know, what's my next job going to be, because I don't like to have gaps in between jobs, because um, it makes me feel, like, unemployed. I don't like that. <laughs> And uh, I started wondering what was going on, so I started, you know, sending emails to to my editor, who's my editor on TG Medvedev was uh, Lauren Sankovic, and uh, she said, you know, I think I know what's coming up. I think it's big. Um, it may not be with me. And I was like, okay, well, do do I have a job after I get done? <laughs> you know, I was just feeling a little a little worried, and then you know, I got a call that it was going to be four. It's just like what? And a monthly? And I get to do my own covers? <laughs> that's kind of rare isn't it that, it is you get to it do is these covers. days yeah it's the sky yeah. well I mean <laughs> I, th- I think that doing your own covers I mean I know it's it's a little rare nowadays I mean there's so many like so many folks who do digital covers or you know the digital paint sort of stuff and I really want people to know what they're going to get on the inside of the book mm-hmm. does that make sense you know like you Respect. I want people to be able to judge a book by its cover you know if you see something on the shelf and go, it looks kind of cool. Maybe I'll pick that up. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, even if my covers look lame, it's it's the same inside. So impossible. You know, if, you, if you look past it on the shelf and go, that looks lame. I'm I'm looking out for the reader. That's awesome. So, so Chris, uh, you know, Chris Neesman alluded to the fact that you you are pretty uh, you have a reputation for being a pretty fast guy who always delivers on time. Um, certainly, as a fan of yours, it does seem like you have books that come out like every other week. So. Um, I noticed on uh, on your blog and, and via Twitter not not uh, too long ago, you actually put out um, by request a bunch of tips as to what it is that allows you to maintain a, a very rapid pace. And um, I guess you had had enough creators asking you, "Hey, how do you do it?" That you said, "Well, here's how I do it," and you put out some tips. So, um, I mean, obviously, I'm sure that's something you pride yourself on, but. But maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, in an era where it seems like it's very hard for almost any artist to maintain a monthly schedule, um, given the quality of work, how, how do you do it? Um, well, I mean, what was posted, which is basically it was the email that I copied and pasted and lazily put it into a blog post instead of drawing something that I, I uh, it's really just, you know, 
my little shortcut that I use each day to try and speed myself up. I'm not really a terribly fast artist, um, but I know what will get stuff done. Um, you know, I, I'm not super fast, but I work really long days. Um, you know, I, I usually end up going to bed about 2 or 3, and I get up at like 5.30 or 6.30. Sure. Super healthy, but it's what's, it's what's working for me right now until I get caught up with you know, all the stuff that I'm working on right now. Um, right now I'm still doing my monthly filler book, Pencils of Ink, and I'm working on the Serenity Shepherd's Tale graphic novel for uh, Dark Horse. So, wow. Yeah, so, you know, first thing in the morning I work on Thor, I do a couple of pages of that and work through until dinner, and then after dinner I do a page or two of, uh, of Serenity. And how much How much coffee mm-hmm. do you drink in a day? Oh, Jesus. Uh, um, well... It, it was a lot more until I went to the doctor and he actually asked me, like, literally, how many cups of coffee do you drink in a day? And I had to sit there and, like, do the math. He was like, yeah. you just to, like, do math in your head to figure out how much coffee you're drinking. <laughs> Carry the two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think I was drinking about 26 cups of coffee a day. Whoa. Oh, wow. That's a lot of Java. No. Oh, man, yeah, that's not good for you, buddy. Yeah. Well, I know. Oh, so well, I, think, I, I think about pot of coffee a day. Um, you know, that's, that's really cutting back. That's man, woo. It's like, <laughs> it's, like it's more than half. More, I cut it by more than half. But, uh, but if I get too ramped up, then I'm going to have a beer or two to, to wind down at the end of the day and all is well again. Um, nice. But, uh, what did I tell you? See all that coffee. Your speed. Well, one of the things, if I could be so bold, that I think lends itself to speed in your work, and it's the very thing that attracted me to your style, is that the majority of the things I've seen from you, it's almost as if God is standing off panel. You have this really intense, very obvious, obvious light source in your, in your uh, illustration that creates these deep blacks. And it's not that you obscure details, but you have a way of suggesting detail without really going in and, and noodling and, and mm-hmm. o- over-rendering stuff. I think that makes your work, the, the work is beautiful. Like that commandy okay. piece. There's a, there's a, it, there's a light source that blasts out the, the, a lot of the stuff in the foreground, but then you put the shadows, because the light source is so intense, you'll put the shadows in, it just makes everything very modeled, very three-dimensional. I love it. And I think that could lend itself to your speed because you know, you have instinct, instinctually, you know where to put those blacks to suggest detail and it's just, it works really well. That's just my take. I could be full of shit, but... Um, <laughs> I don't know if that makes me quicker. I still actually draw all of it in pencil. Oh, of course. And then right. I just don't ink it. Um, so maybe not inking it speeds up a little bit. Uh, but I mean, originally it started from when I did uh, Capote in Kansas I was so nervous to, to be an inker on something, especially for a writer who is an inker. Um, this, that was the first book that I just sat down and actually tried to ink. Um, I was just so nervous to put ink down on the page. A lot of it, I was just like, well, if I blow out this edge, that's one more thing I don't have to ink. <laughs> one more line I don't have to concern myself with. So and that's, that's, that's really the book that you developed that style on? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Because I, I have your first comic book, and it's not that style at all. <laughs> no. I I, ha- I have the Big Bang comics issue. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, there you go. Now Didn't I, I do a care package full of crappy old comics that I did. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. I don't want this anymore. We're giving them off as a prize this week. <laughs> you know, oh. I, 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 Chris, we're never... giving Chris as a prize. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but who would take it? I'd be left on the on the curb. Uh, <laughs> hey there, true believers. It's me, Stan Lee, Excelsior. I just wanted to uh, call in to the 11 o'clock comic shop, you know, internet radio uh, broadcast program show, whatever you kids are calling it, and just say, first of all, you know, I'm a longtime listener, and I'm a big fan of what, of what the fellas are doing, well, most of the fellas, and... Uh, I just wanted to say that voice. Uh, number two, uh, David Price. I, I, I just think you're, you're a stand-up fella, and uh, I really appreciate all the all the promotion and you know the the chat and up that you do about the Marvel projects and uh, you know all all the nice things about Marvel with with the Marvel Noise podcast, the Marvel Noise blog, and uh, you know all, all all the vocal interaction we get from you on the Eleven O'clock Comics uh, podcast. I just think it's fantastic. It's really out of this world stuff. And uh, Christopher Nishman, I understand that, uh, you know, post uh, Secret Inventing, you know, you weren't, uh, you know, too keen on what we were doing at the House of Ideas, but then you moved a lot of your readership to the uh, Distinguished competition, competition, perhaps. And that's okay. That's all right. You're still reading the Agents of the Atlas and the Gorilla Mans and, and that sort of thing. So we still got you there. And, and I, I appreciate you, you know, you supporting those tiles. And uh, Jason Wood... I, I think you're just a fantastic fella too. I seriously, I, I really enjoy hearing about the numbers, and I've seen how you, how you, you know, you do at the uh, stockholder meetings and things like that. And you ask the questions, and, uh, and you get them to talk about the comics instead of just the movies and the toys and the lunch boxes and the what have you. I mean, that's really important. That's that's a big deal. And uh, also, Jason, uh, this is a bit of a poisonal note, so I'm not sure if I should leave it on the voicemail, but I'm just gonna say it anyway because I'm Stanley Excelsior, you know, awkward and on and that, all that jazz. So, uh, you know, uh, at night when uh, Joni and I are getting ready to do our thing, I says to her before we get ready to go, I says, Joni, I'm Stan Lee, Excelsior. And then uh, Joni, who is also a listener and a fan of the 11 o'clock comics, says uh, back to me, she frequently says back, she says, uh, no, you're not. You're Jason Wood. And then uh, then I lay the wood. And uh, that's that's what I do with with my wife Joni, and uh, I hope I hope that's I hope that's an interesting visual for you. I think it's uh, I I think it's romantic. Mother's Mother's Day's around the corner. You know, it's it's something that would mean a lot to her to hear on the on the internet radios. So anyway, and then uh, there's this other fellow Vince B, uh, who's uh, also on the podcast. And uh, Vince B, fuck you. That's right. Stanley Excelsior says uh, fuck you. Because, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I've been listening to you for a long time, you know, besmirch my good name. I've done a lot for comics over the years, sir, and uh, I'll have you know that, uh, you know, I, I, I just being perfectly frank, I, I, I think it is the guy who, uh, who comes up with the name of the character, who is the sole creator of the character. Uh, and you know, it's not uh, it's not the guy who invents the costumes, the looks, you know, the the gadgets, the web shooters, you know, the big machines uh, tells half the stories. It's uh, it's not that guy. He's not the creator of the character. It's the guy that takes a series of randomly chosen letters, puts them down on a piece of paper, forms them into what what may or may not be an actual void, and. Uh, says that's a character. That's the guy who invents the character. That's the creator. I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to rant. I just needed to get that out there because uh, it's it's just it's the God's truth. And uh, I'll, I'll thank you to recognize that, sir. And uh, you know, Vince, 
I, I hope you change your mind about uh, who the creators are on certain things and uh, where where the actual credit belongs. But uh, if not, I'll see you in hell. Just, just just a heads up. Anyway, speaking of hell, the real reason I called is because, uh, you know, I, I'm Stanley and uh, I, I am immortal and I will never die. And uh, But I, I, I feel like as I get older, I, I feel like I should share some stories about my past and some things that... The 11 o'clock listeners may enjoy to know about, you know, the early days of Marvel. So, uh, this is the story about how I, Stan Lee, created Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's, uh, it's, it's, really, a, it's really a very touching, charming story. Um, what had happened was, uh, you know, I was sitting down at, uh, at my desk at the Marvel offices in the early 60s, just pre-Fantastic Four, and, uh, you know, I was just getting bored with uh, with the monster of the month type stories, and uh, so there I am, I'm playing Scrabble and just with by myself, and I pull out a handful of letters, and I got an S, an E, a U, and a J, and another S, and I just start monkeying around with the letters, and then I come up with the order of the letters like this: J E S U S, Jesus. So, uh, so I says, Jesus, that's a fantastic name for a superhero. You know, I always, I always wanted to ask you about Capote because you worked with Andy on that, and, and you know, even at that point, Andy was a pretty seasoned veteran, and um, you were, you were still kind of a, a young guy, you know, coming up through the ranks. What kind of? Um, I mean, did did Andy give you a lot of a, a career advice over over the course of you guys working on that book? Oh, I think he still does. Nice, um, Andy. I mean, it's it seems silly, but I I consider Andy one of my uncles. I mean, he's Andy's family. You know, um, I I I couldn't wish for you know a better collaborator. I mean, you know, I wish I I was able to work more. We we did a short story for you know a Bell and Sebastian anthology, and we did um, that Daredevil annual. The Daredevil annual was awesome. No, yes, it was. Uh, but I mean, man, he's just he's just great. Um, you know, he's he's a seasoned vet. He knows what he's doing. Um, but I mean, he's he's concerned with story first, which is what the writer should be. And or I can do to help cover stories what I do. We didn't really have a whole lot of you know arguments about storytelling or anything that was happening in the book. But I mean, we both wanted to tell the best story we could, and you know that's just what we're always aiming for. Uh, we both have that same goal, so um, you know, I, he didn't really give me a whole lot of advice on you know things to do in my career, but you know, I I, I kind of already know what path I want to take. But I mean, just for support, I mean, I couldn't wish for for a better guy. And he's just peach. He's one of the good ones. Yeah. That's awesome. Speaking of Thor, did anybody see Iron Man two <laughs> aside from Jason? Not no. yet. No. No, it's coming in my box at the end of the month. No, the movie, silly. The movie. I'm joking. You. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, Have you all not? I've seen it, yeah. Have you seen it? I've seen it. I don't even have time to go to the movies, and I want to see it. (laughs) Damn. What did you think? I had two hours to wait in my day, but I was like, Iron Man, I'm going. (laughs) What what did you think? I thought it was awesome. I know it's not a a perfect movie, but, I mean, how many perfect movies are there? I thought it was a great great time. I had fun. No, I mean... It's it, what I was hoping to see when I went to the theater. So, I had a great time. I'd go see it again right now. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a heck of a lot of fun, but Favreau, it's like 
the thing that really didn't bother me, but the thing I noticed the most about the movie is he his style is almost a lack of style. He he's such an it's it's almost inelegant the way he like an improvator. No, not even because then then that that would be uh, something that on which you would pick up. It just seems like the the his directing style is really spare, almost detached. He does the scenes. Uh, like the, the the scene in uh, I won't give anything away the scene in the in the the park where he right. could have had a lot of really uh, forceful you know setups and and just camera angles and it was just done so matter of factly like boom we're in a park you know there there was no no flourish to the the style it was it was all just there I mean there was two parts that really stood out in the movie that Whiplash's little Russian hovel. With uh, uh-huh. that was really nice the way he did that, and the Black Widow hallway sequence. The rest, it was just you, it, it, it didn't feel after, like there was a human being directing this movie. It just. What well, do you think after after Ang Lee and Hulk that that Marvel was pretty conscious of taking maybe. the the art film aspect out of their superhero movies? I, I don't I, even just, just I don't even want an art film. I just want a little bit of style. Just okay. just yeah. just something. Yeah. It was just so much could have been done with. Uh, camera angles and just you know the tricks that a lot of directors employ to grab your attention this seemed like he pulled back a little bit and just let the story tell itself a little bit and that it it just parts of it felt like a movie of the week to me right oh that that pained me i i enjoyed it i think the exact opposite i mean oh it's the way he shot it was like a a regular movie it doesn't have superheroes and crazy stuff going on. He shot it like a regular film. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not shot like Avatar with, you know, the mm-hmm. camera just moving everywhere when it doesn't need to be. For the most part, it's shot, you know, at eye level or lower, and it's not a floating camera that sees all. It's shot as another character. So you, yeah. you're you viewing all this stuff as a normal person, looking at how amazing things are instead of Looking at it from outer space and how how many effects they can show off. I mean, mm-hmm. the story the story is what they're telling, not like the special effects. I agree right. with you there. I, I think like yeah. Yeah. if if this was an Iron Man miniseries, it would mm-hmm. be one of the best. The the, See, the story is very good. I, I I appreciated that they they put they seem to have put extra effort into the story because it really works. Right. As the uh, resident Deadpool fan of the group, it's going to sound funny that this is coming from me. But my main criticism of this is the same thing I had a problem with with like Spider-Man Three and, and whatnot. Is it's those it's those off the charts campy scenes that just remove me from the movie. And uh, right. and I I thought Iron Man Two was really a lot of fun. I had a great time. In fact, I'm going to go back this weekend and take the boys because I thought it was pretty kid friendly. Um, I wanted to see it first before I took him to just make sure. But it's like those scenes like the one with Tony in the suit at his birthday or the party. Oh, painful. You know? And, yeah. and to me, like that, I just... That was awesome. I, uh, no, so that I, was, I, that I, was freaking that, painful, man. I felt like I was reliving the the Peter Parker doing the, you know, dancing. the yeah. dancing. Yeah. And it just was he, like, I understand what he was trying to do there, but I just felt like... Not that it's a movie that has a lot of gravitas, but I, I just, I personally could have done without those scenes. But again, those are just a scene or two in a movie that overall I really, really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, uh, but, all I got to say is ScarJo is. Oh, she, <laughs> oh, she, she, mercy. Ma- she made the movie for me. Yeah, mercy. She did. 
Oh, I would, I would pay whatever it was. I don't remember eight bucks, nine bucks to get in oh, just to boy. see that hallway sequence again. Oh my goodness! Yeah, because oh. well, it, it, it was. We walked out. The first thing Laura said to me is when we walked out of the theater was, "Now I want to see a Black Widow movie." Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 And and well, I was. Yeah. They better cast her for the Avengers flick. They have to. Oh, I'm just. I think she's probably contractually obligated to it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And but again, with that party sequence, the 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 stinger, and I won't say it because Dave and Chris haven't seen it. The stinger, where uh, which leads to the thing that mm-hmm. comes later, had people laughing, and and I I I felt bad for Favreau because it seemed a little bit mistimed and a little goofy. Like uh, when when that certain person walks in, they were giggling at that scene. You know, you're, 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 you're in the bank. Oh, I'm sure he is. About um, the campiness, and that's something that the first movie did a little bit. And when you when you put uh, these clever little campy scenes in the movie, after after a certain amount of time, people start to expect them, and that's Mm -hmm. the reaction you're going to get is is unintentional campiness. And so that's why you know, and I I think it happens in comics too. Um, one of my one of my guys I like to ride the most on the show. I think that sometimes he tries to be a little too clever, mm-hmm. and no, I, and I'm just I'm I'm just saying that sometimes whenever you you can be unintentionally campy by being you know maybe too clever sometimes. Yeah. But let's be honest, the main reason people are going to see this movie is see the suit. I think it's Robert Downey Jr. I do too. That's why, because he's so appealing as Tony Stark, even though he's a little bit on the slimy side and and he has issues. He's so likable in in that role, and he yeah. they played all the right cards with the speeches that he made about paying it forward and doing stuff for the kids, and he he's just at the core, he's a nice guy, mm-hmm. and and I well, think. And- that's what makes the, the, the character so likable. And, and yeah, of course they featured him. He's a great actor. And, and I think the uh, the most divisive character of this one was Sam Rockwell. I've heard people that oh, hated yeah. him and people that loved him. And I loved him. I thought uh, he's not – the way he portrayed Justin Hammer, admittedly, is nothing at all like the comic. But I thought that was fine because I thought Justin Hammer was always the guy that was – rich and successful but he was never as good as tony stark and that's sam rockwell captured that component right he was he was clearly the second best at what he did and uh and that included being i think you needed someone that was kind of over the top uh and and uh in interface to again juxtapose where he sat next to tony stark where robert downey jr is playing a much larger than life version of tony right, right? so i, I yeah. thought that actually worked quite well i thought he was fine in, the, in that yeah. role but i thought the scenes with the failed uh suit experiments were brilliant there mm-hmm. especially the last one that was that was brilliant mm-hmm. that they that was great yeah, yeah. I, did, I, did, I, oh, i'm sorry go ahead. no go ahead did anybody think that rockwell was kind of playing like a movie version of matt fraction <laughs> i've, I've heard that a million places now that they look alike right yeah it's funny <laughs> you would know well Chris oh, I would imagine you would cold. know Fraction a lot better than we would so um, I, mean, I don't know him that well I mean I think I, I know Kelly too more than, than uh, okay Kelly. I mean they're both they're both good people yeah. and they uh, both live in Portland I was going to say they just moved to Portland <laughs> yeah. Portland's like a magnet now, now Chris does, now now I have to ask are you going to be asked to uh, it seems like if you live in Portland and you have anything to do with comics you're eventually going to be asked to uh, uh, be a guest lecturer at Bendis' uh, Portland State course has that request been given yet, or do you have to move out there first? Oh, you know, I've I've, I've stood next to Bendis. I've never actually met him. Oh wow! Um, wow! See, we fans I, I assume that all of you know. I don't see myself being asked. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just give it time, uh, I'm telling you. Um, but I'm sure I'll land him at the grocery store or something, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's oh, what I was good. expecting Portland to be. Just like, it's going to be a giant cosplay convention. In my dream, <laughs> Go to the grocery store. Around. You know, there's Mark Silvestri. You know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ex- you know, like, hey, Val- sorry, Valentino. Valentino was out there. It's there. It was like seriously half the comic book industry is out there. It's crazy. Well, I think I yeah. Last week I said that I, I then I looked it up. It's uh, Portland is um, it's the it's got the second most uh, comic stores per capita in the, in the nation. Second behind only uh, and not not that Chris needs any more reason to toot his own uh, city swarm, but Chicago. So everybody knows this is the greatest city in the world. I don't have to talk about it no more. There you go, boy. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I, won't stop I think you. about every neighborhood we were looking at had a comic shop. Awesome. Then I love Portland. That was one of my prerequisites. She was like, well, where do you want to look? And I'm like, well, I would like a comic book store in my neighborhood. Awesome. Um, so, there was like, anytime we would look anywhere, there was a comic shop there, right? Mm-hmm. So, Chris, do you, I mean, with your schedule and, and your your 20-hour waking days, do you actually have uh, time anymore to, to read comics, or do you just not really have the time to, to read? I don't have time to read as much as I'd like. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's bathroom reading for the most part, um, which <laughs> I know 20, sounds... 26 <laughs> cups of coffee a day, you do a lot of reading. <laughs> well, because well, you... Had... Down, so I only have time to read, like, half a cup a day. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you I mean, had a pretty cool varied, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm just is wondering, what, what, do you have a preference? I mean, are you, obviously, you've had a pretty varied start to your career, you've dr- drawn lots of different types of comics, so do you, do you read lots of different types of comics, or do you have a, sort of a preference when you do have time to read, or is it... Oh, Honestly, I like to read stuff that's kind of opposite of my style. I like to read just fun, campy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of what I draw is pretty dark, but I, I think that I just kind of got typecast into being the guy who draws dark, noir stuff with, like, guys in suits and hats. Um, <laughs> I actually really like old, you know, Silver Age DC stuff. Probably, like, the, the most fun stuff for me to read. If, I, if I'm going to, you know, grab something off, you know, out of a box and go to kind of read, it'll probably be like, you know, Metal Man or Metamorpho or something like that. Or Aquaman, old 60s Aquaman. Oh. Nice. <laughs> Tom Caters is touching himself right now. He always is anyway. <laughs> well, that's yeah. true. Now, you, you mentioned about the, the dark and, and the, the, the gritty. Was it a bit of a challenge to go from something like Area 10 to Siege Embedded? Like, do you need, <laughs> do you need a cool-down period to refresh and recharge the batteries and, and brace yourself for working in, in in a somewhat different way, or can you hit the ground running nah, and just... Well, not really. I mean, my cool-down period is about four years between Area 10... I was going to say, you did the Mighty right before that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, did, uh, I did Area 10. I signed my contract in 2005. I worked on it from <laughs> 2006 oh. to 2007. Wow. Okay. So you, you were talking about that like three years ago at like Wizard Chicago. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been a long time coming. So I actually did I did that in between two issues of Queen Country. Wow. Wait, yeah. I'm out of the loop. So if, if Area 10 looked anything like my last issue of Queen and Country, there's a really good reason. <laughs> um, it was when uh, when Greg took time off to do uh, 52 at DC. There mm-hmm. was 52 weeks that he wasn't working on Queen and Country. So in that mm-hmm. in that time, I, I worked on a graphic novel for Virgo. So yeah. Which I just finished up yesterday and was fantastic, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's a hell of a lead time. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. It was awful. 
Um, you know, talking about your art, and uh, and I'm gonna have to, Nurse Marta just came in, so I'm gonna have to leave her in a couple of minutes. Where she said she was yeah. gonna start pulling cords on stuff. Oh, um, snap. So, oh, yeah, um, you have a catheter? <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like I should have one, Vince. Um, uh, one of the things I've always wanted to ask you about is it's very difficult, or one would say impossible, to find Chris Somney original pages out there. Yeah. Yeah, you won't find any. I don't think. Right. <gasps> I don't sell my. I don't sell my. Yeah, I've always been curious as to why. I, I don't know. I, after spending so much time with them, they're like my babies. Um, <laughs> I spend it all day with you know with one or two pages, and it's like you spend so much time on it, and it's just like you know because it's part of you. I know that like now that I I'm driving them cross country, they're I'm starting to hate looking at them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like. Oh, you think you're too heavy, and you take up all this space. So, right. Maybe one day I'll, I'll get rid of them. But right now, I just, you know, I'm. I was, I was, I was always curious. Like I mean, bucks, yeah, uh, well, you know. I mean. Yeah, not not to say that I mean you're ever going to achieve like Jack Kirby status, but you know I, I hear stories about back in the day people would drop like five dollars on a Kirby page that now mm-hmm. would go for you know a grand, two grand, three grand easy. And so I didn't know if you if you were looking at like any of you know the futures. It's like hey, you know I could sell them now and make it part of my income, or this could be a big part of my retirement. Uh, well, I mean, it's not really set up as a retirement fund. It's just that, you know, most of the stuff that I've done isn't really going to earn any money anyway. And I, I feel like it's, I might as well just, you know, it's still that collector mentality. I haven't grown out of it. So, I mean, I have a full set right now, you know. I have all of my free work. Uh, if I sell one day, I've broken up the set, and then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, really, it's not like anything that I've done is really going to garner a whole lot of money anyway. Um, because most of my work doesn't have, you know, big name characters in it. I mean, if, well, guess if what, Thor? Like boy, that's getting ready to change. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you sell a cap page, and somebody wants to cap on it. And I mean, if you got a page of Steve Rogers, it's going to get half as much. Yeah. And most of my books are full of, you know, Steve Rogers type characters. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, Thor. I mean, there's a whole lot more going on. There's a lot of big stuff happening. So, I mean, maybe I mean I've already been emailed a couple of times by people who want to buy Thor pages, and the book's not even out yet. So, right. Uh, well, certainly. Uh, I mean, as you may or may not know, Chris and I both like to buy pages, and, and uh, yeah. I did know that. I think we talked about this at CT too uh, that you you didn't sell your original art. Um, it just it does fascinate me, and I told see the way you described it. I'm not an artist, but but certainly I think if I were, I would have your view, which is like I'm I have such a collector's mentality when it comes to comic books that I own that I couldn't mm-hmm. fathom being able to draw pages and then wanting to get rid of them. So I'm actually as someone who buys a decent amount of original art, I'm always taken aback by other artists that I really enjoy their work and they're so not even I don't know if the word's flippant, but so non committal about their pages. Like they really view them as just another source of income. I mean they really have no emotional attachment to them at all once they're done. Um and that's great as a collector. I mean it's wonderful when a guy I love is like, Oh yeah, my pages are for sale, just tell me which one you want. But um but I just hearing you say that, I'm surprised more artists today don't have the view that you do and I guess it just comes down to an income thing. I guess because, you know, it's a nice way well, to sell I mean- page rate. I can understand it being a secondary income, mm-hmm. and I I would be up for that. But I've I've made my money on them already. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm not that worried about making another you know fifty bucks on a page. I already made my money from the publisher, and it's in print. You know, like right. it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not a big deal. I mean, 
if things were tighter, maybe I, I would have to get rid of some. But yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, if I can, if I can keep on to them, I might as well. I mean, you know, if I can have them on like it or something someday, then that's all the better. If he wants to sell them, fine. I'll be in the grave for all I care. But you know, like I, I yeah, I would say that they're not doing me any good. But right. I, I kind of like having them around. Well, I, can, I consider myself history, lucky. Go ahead. If I look through a yearbook, I can I can grab one of my portfolios from totally from 2005 and flip through it and be like, yes, I have improved myself. You know, if I if I feel bad, like you know, during the day, if I if I hit a rut and feel like I'm I'm just you know I've hit a wall, I'm not gonna I'm not getting any better. I can look mm-hmm. at something I did you know a couple of months ago, see it the original page, and see here you know I'll I'll be able to automatically pick out all the glaring mistakes and say. If I can pick those out now, obviously I've gotten better. Sure. Yeah. And then you have the convention drawings, which is a, a nice little income source. So yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty smart to to hold on to those pages. I think. Yeah, I'm still uh, absent a Chris Somney sketch in my uh, collection, so we'll have to remedy that sometime soon. Are you in the heroes? No. In the heroes? Oh. No. You're going to soon be in enough, New York, my friend. Yeah, you'll be at New York Comic Con, right? I'm I'm still waiting to hear back. I'm, okay. I think I'm going to be there. Okay. I have to wait to find out if I'm a professional or not. <laughs> we'll all we'll be there, so hopefully you will. Well, I mean, at least with the uh, with with the convention sketches or the commissions, the in that regard, it's you can either if someone wanted to buy an original Chris Somney page, they have a page that was printed in a comic book, but that thousands of other people have laid eyes on. Whereas if if I have an original. Chris Omni Commission, like Chris has hanging on his wall. Now this is this is mine. This is to me. Nobody else, and and I mean other people might see it, but it hasn't been shared with the world, like Thor: The Mighty Avenger or Queen and Country or Siege Unbedded. Well, that's why I like doing sketches. You know, the 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 way the commissions work, I, I feel like it's a lot more personal. I mean, hopefully, the comics that I do that are printed will reach their audience. But when you're working just for one person, I get I get a kick out of that, you know. So like a commission or a con sketch, each one of those is for that person. And I mean, I, I personalize everything to that one person, and I'm I have an audience of one. Right. You know? and, I mean, I, I, you you I'm killed me for for Captain America. I will never be able to yeah. ask anyone for a Captain America commission ever again. Get <laughs> a motorcycle. The, there's there's no point. The yeah. uh, and and why what I love about convention sketches for, for the most part is that when you you do talk to an artist and and you request something you i i, I have in mind where if if you draw like, like i don't think i'd ask phil hester and andy parks for a green arrow commission i'd want something that they may not get to draw too often so uh, it, it, it it's an it's an exercise for, for them it's, it's okay you know anything you know I mean would you ask Carmine Infantino for Flash or would you ask him for like Black Widow I mean so it's it, it give him something different let, let him stretch their muscles and and I mean every time yeah. every time Chris mentions on 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 Twitter that uh, you know he's looking for for sketch suggestions for 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 his warm up I I. I always get shot. Well, I don't want to say I get shot down. My my request <laughs> often gets ignored, and and it, it's it's gotten this, to this is the preemptive now. Twitter request, Chris. No, 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 it's not. No, I, because any time, whether it's whether it's Gabe Hardman or or anybody, you know, Ryan Cody, doesn't matter who the artist is. Anytime they throw out, I want suggestions. My 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 answer, mm-hmm. my default answer, is Gilbert's Doc Stern, Mister Monster, and only one person has done that so far. And every time Chris says. 
what should I draw? And I throw that out there. It's still, it's crickets. Nobody. Such a cool uh, character, though. It really is. Visually stunning. I mean, uh, Gilbert really nailed the design of that character. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys. It's been so long since I read it, though. I don't feel. I think you can find reference material. Nurse yeah. Nurse Marta is coming to get me, so I gotta I gotta go, guys. But um, but Chris, congratulations on all the success. It's been it has been amazing and awesome to see your career just take off over the last four or five years, and it's it's well right. deserved. And um, have a safe and happy trip. Uh, send uh, send my love to to Laura and you guys. Uh, you guys get out there and uh, and and enjoy Portland and and mucho success and continue. Oh, thanks, Chris. Well, come on, we can hi. Mm-hmm. And uh, try and feel better. You know, there's lots and lots of tea. Uh, yes. All right. Take and, care of you. And my, and my boys, uh, we'll be back next week because I miss talking to you. Yeah, maybe yeah, you we'll can, get uh, you out for a full episode or something. Yeah, I know. Let, I'm sorry. Let us guys. have it next week about our uh, our, our uh, craziness from last week. No. Yeah, well, we have a lot of resumes to go through anyway, so it's best that you do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nice. I know. My attendance record is failing right now. So, all right, guys, have a great week. See you, Chris. Feel all better. Right. I'll try. Getting back to the guest real quick, I before we, I, I have one question about the new Thor book, and whose whose idea was it to have him in the new design Koipel armored outfit? Was was that oh, yeah. yours, or did they 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 go to you for that? Um, well, it's it's sort of a cross between Kirby Koipel and the movie. Okay. Uh, okay. Ah, okay. The movie still. So. Yeah, the uh, the movie played a factor in the design because what we're trying to do is make a new Thor book easily accessible to people who've never picked up a Thor book. That's so awesome. So if they do watch the movie or go see the movie and say, you know, they can go into a comic shop and say, you know, I really like that Thor movie, what comic would you suggest? The easiest one to suggest is going to be the one that isn't tied to any kind of continuity. Right. Um, so in our costume isn't miles away from where the movie experience is. Okay. Um, well, then, does th- that... So it was it, editor who, who grand, you know, at the end of the night said, you know, can you talk a little bit of, you know, and he gave me a few elements of what's going to be mm-hmm. in the movie costume. Can you put those in there along with, you know, whatever you want to do? Okay, so... So then I think you just sort of answered my question, which is that have you been brought into the movie fold? Then are you seeing... Have you seen parts of the movie yet or no? No, no, I haven't, I haven't seen any of the movie. You know, I... Through email and, you know, stuff like that, I've, I've found out different pieces of what the movie is going to be like, um, mm-hmm. what the costume will be like. Um, so really beyond that, that's that's all I know. I don't have any secrets or anything. Um, but I, I do have a, a pretty vague idea of what, the, of what the movie version of Thor's costume will look like. I mean, I, I know there's, there's that one image that's out there, so I don't pull yeah. up much of anything, but he does have the, the armored police. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he does have the portable armor, so it's not, they're not perfectly square, they're a bit more right. you know, oblong, but, uh, but yeah, they're definitely still there. So. Okay. The, is, um, are, are the stories for the book kind of like done in ones, or, I mean, I know there's going to probably be a subplot because he's got him, she doesn't know why he's done her, but is it, are, are they going to be one-issue stories, or are there going to be a few, two- or three-parters, or there arcs? Uh, well, the first arc is, Ten issues. Oh, okay. Uh, it, we start off with you know Thor, um, his first appearance. Uh, try not to ruin anything. I don't know how, what's in the slip. Um, Thor appears on Earth and meets Jane Foster and hijinks ensue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, 
the there will be I'm trying to think of something good to compare it with. It's sort of like Buffy, you know, like every issue can stand on its own, but there is an overarching story. Mm-hmm. I think. So I mean, there is something that ties all the issues together. But I think if you just take up issue three, you'd be okay. Okay. You know, hopefully, now, hopefully we'll still hook you, no matter if you pick up issue one or issue ten. Hopefully, it'll still hook you to come back, but you won't have to worry about everything that's come before. Right. Mm. Will we see the classic Thor villains, and uh, I mean Asgardian villains and Earth-based as well, or uh, will this be? Will there be a lot of new characters thrown in there too? Um, as of right now, um, there there will be new characters that we're creating, but for right now, it's mostly um, Marvel characters that are already established. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't say who's going to up really. I mean. Sure. Uh, I I know that Roger has Roger Langridge, who's the writer of the book, has has done several interviews where he said that um, Mr. Hyde will be showing up. There's Iron Man, Cap, oh. um, Ant Man, Wasp. You know, we we have Avengers showing up. This is Thor's first time meeting any of them. They all become a threat. So, or at least mm. to him, they think they're a threat. But as I mean, he kind of he doesn't really superheroes. You know, he just knows everything. So. Mm-hmm. Well. I'm glad you mentioned, uh, I was going to bring up Roger Langridge because we hadn't actually mentioned that. And I think, is it Matt Wilson is in the colors on the book? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Matt Wilson, who is my colorist on um, my Dr. Voodoo story that came out today. Mm-hmm. And all of my issues of Feed Embedded. And my cover of the anchor that I did for, uh, for Boom, for mm-hmm. uh, the awesome collector. And uh, yeah, I uh, told Laura she better watch out because... Man, I'm gonna marry that dude. <laughs> oh, snap. oh snap! So, working with Roger, I mean, you've worked with a bunch of different writers. Uh, w- one of the things that I'm always curious about is, um, it, it seems like the um, level of collaboration it really varies from project to project, and artist and writer combination to artist and writer combination. So, I mean, with Roger, does he work full script? I mean, have you had a lot of interaction with him, or is it more just he sort of sends you what he wants, and then you do it, and then you move on to the next issue? I mean, what, what's the collaboration been like? Um, it's been pretty perfect so far. I mean, I, I think we both we both kind of know where we want it to go. We're both pretty much in the same line with, uh, with character design, and, and uh, with him being an artist as well, right. his storytelling, just like on the page, you know, how many beats there need to be, and it's just, it's just spot on. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times I, I'll add a panel here or there just for a bit of pacing, but the, the guy, I just, reading his script is just insanely perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds so stupid, like kiss ass, but it's, they're, the way they're, they're laid out is just great. I mean, in the first three issues of Thor, I feel like I've done six issues. Um, okay. Oh, nice. Very, very silver age. It's very compact. Uh, cool, cool. There's definitely five pages when it needs to be, but mm-hmm. almost every page has seven panels. Awesome. Oh, that's I love uh, concentrated stories like that. Yes. Yeah. So, so is yeah, he? So I mean, is he for, saying? For is, he, is he giving you? So is he giving you that, that specific level of scripting that he's like, you know, panel one, I want this. Panel two, I want that. I mean, you see that again because well, I know that. It's a pretty. It's a pretty typical, you know, way of of, uh, of working. I mean, it's no Alan Moore, but. I, I mean, it's not like that detailed. But, you know, he tells me how many panels there are, what happens in each panel. Right, right, right. You know? But, I mean, he doesn't dictate camera angle or anything. He's leaving that all up to me, which is, that's 
fun part for me is sure. you know, reading the script, and then while I'm reading it, I'm visualizing where you know where the camera is, and that's all on me, you know. Right. So I think it's so far it's been a perfect collaboration. Uh, he's, a, he's a hell of a writer. I mean, well, that's got to be cool. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I know he writes some Muppet Show stuff, and I was going to, you know, the the one thing I always think about is when a guy's that that's a writer is also an artist. You, I always wonder, is he too heavy handed? Does he not give you the freedom? Because I know that, you know, like with Scotty doing Oz, um, obviously Eric Shanauer is is quite quite, a, quite an excellent artist in his own right too. And and you know, it seems like he and Scotty have got a nice report where he's really let the artistic you know components from layouts to angles to the look of the characters be scotty's and it just uh, i was thinking of that with you too with roger because certainly roger can can draw his ass off when he wants to too so hell yeah well, i think it might be tempting for a lot of writers to want to dictate exactly how you know their vision is but mm-hmm. the end of the day, they don't i mean they're an artist too so i think they have probably gone through that experience where something has been dictated to them that's a good point and mm-hmm. it's like you know you you want to get the best out of somebody you know let them just let them go, you know. Mm-hmm. Tell them what you need, and just let go of the reins, and the best stuff is going to come in when we're we're both having a good time and we're both excited about the project. And we're, I think, we're both, you know, firing on all cylinders. This is easily the best stuff I've done in years. Nice. Um, you know, I I spent I spent a, a lot of time on these pages, and hopefully it shows. I mean, it's, they're all they're all simple, but simple and easy. It's you know, it's a it's an illusion if it looks. Easy. You know, the the simpler a page is, the more likely all of the flaws will be jump out at you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really cover up a bad drawing with you know nonsensical, nonsensical uh, cross hatching in detail. <laughs> but if right. you strip that all away, you know, you really everything is out there. You know, like my face is naked. You know, if if I screwed something up, you're it's going to jump right out at you. Right. Well, your approach. As Vince alluded, you—you, you, I mean, I've seen a lot of your commissions and your sketch work, and obviously, you've seen plenty of your black and white work, and and you—you you definitely make an amazing use of uh, uh, of blacks, and and so I guess uh, I've also seen you know all of your—I think I've seen pretty much everything you've done, but but I mean that your colored stuff and obviously the preview pages from your blog of of Thor, um, you know, have a different look because it is a colored book. So I mean, do you? Do you consciously take a different approach to your line work um, when you know the book's going to be colored, or is it more just because the color looks different? Because to me, I mean, it looks like it's a little bit of a different style, and I would imagine just because you know that you have a colorist, you don't need to put as much black on the page. But, I mean, do you do you consciously think about that when you're drawing it, or is it just kind of the way the finished product looks? Well, it's all about the, the storytelling. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want to start tossing all the black that I would put on a sketch onto a little page if that isn't the right move, you know, mm-hmm. All the black that's on there is to tell how dark the scene needs to be. You know, and if I end up putting a ton of black on there, then the colorist is going to interpret that as dark, and they're going to color it dark. And if it's something that it shouldn't, you know, if, if it's a lighthearted scene with Spider-Man and Mary Jane, then, you know, you don't want to put, you know, like a ton of black on a page. I, but I still use plenty of black on a page. I think it's patent color on it will tend to lighten it up and make it look like it's not as dark as it is. The sketches that I post every day, but I mean, it's you know, ninety-nine percent the same style. Um, I do close a few more lines, and I don't imply as much as I would, you know, on just a regular sketch. Um, mostly because the stuff that I post on my blog and the stuff that I do for comic sketches, I leave that open line up to the viewer to to figure out where it did, where you know one part stops and something starts, um, which is which you know. It's sort of a, an optical illusion that I think is 
is easily perceivable, but every person has sort of a, a different view of it. So you can hand it off to a colorist or a flatter or whoever, and just a fraction of an inch off can make that whole drawing look off. Right. So if I can plot just a slightly bit less, I still get the exact drawing that I want. You know, the, whatever I have in my head still comes across. So just, you know, a tiny little line to indicate where a forehead stops and starts and it's an implied space. Um, right. Well, the the so, images so that... Rambling, no, 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 no. no, no. Uh, the images we've seen in the Marvel previews uh, catalog and online, I'm getting a real Alex Toth feel from the art. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of Toth. Toth and Neil Kinnick are my two biggest influences. I don't know if you can see a whole lot of Kinnick, but there's all, you know, I look at Kinnick almost daily. You know, inside me, whether he's chilling or not, a lot of Toth turns out because. I think Toth was the master of simplification mm-hmm. and and showing only, you know, he can show you a perfect drawing and just cut out everything that is non-essential. And that's that's what I try and do with my work. So a lot more Toth comes through, I think, in that. But yeah, ah, pretty Toth. Awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully a lot of Kirby will be coming through too and with, uh, with Thor because I've been looking at tons and tons of all of my old essential Thor um, to try and get ramped up for for uh, the big action scenes. I mean, Toth is, is really great, but his storytelling at first and his action scenes, you know, aren't exactly the highlight of his career. But yeah, I've been looking at a lot of uh, Toth for for simplicity, Kirby, and Joe Kane for uh, for action. Well, as far as inspiration, not exactly cribbing, but I just yeah. to get me excited. You know, well, that's really, that yeah. stuff seeps into your your style whether you like it or not. I mean, over the years, if you're exposed to all these artists and you see what works and what doesn't, it, there, it's kind of natural that certain things would seep in, whether you're aware of it. And uh, you you have a very unique style. I mean, I could see nods to the past in a lot of your work, but it's all you, which, as an illustrator, that's really difficult. Uh, I go on and on about the, the, the uh, difficulty in fostering your own unique style. You've done it, and... It seems to me that that while I can pull, you know, that's very Toth-like, or wow, that looks like that has the energy of Kirby in it. You've you've managed to filter all that, boil it down, condense it, distill it into that Chris Somney style. That is something that I really respect because I think that's incredibly difficult to do. No, no, no. It's 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 the truth. And and uh, that that one image I saw of of Commandy and Omac, you did. I said, this guy's here. He's arrived because you take you took something, made it your own, and and that's exceedingly difficult to me to do. Well, I think that's kind of what art style is. You know, you you figure out what you like, and everything subconsciously sort of filters through you. Um, and it really, I mean, my hand just kind of does whatever. So I'm not really. Deciding, you know, I kind of have a, an idea of what I want to draw in my head, but you know, nothing I ever draw looks like looks in my head. It's just, right. you know, the closest approximation that I can, you know, force my good fingers to do. Yeah, that's my rambling. It the not the, 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 like on art. So then, you know, I'm not a student or anything. I just uh, I know what I like. Hopefully, you know, whatever I draw, somebody doesn't you guys like it. Well, I think there's a lot of somebody. I guess we'll see when. Uh, Oh, it seems it seems like it's going to be the book to get because 
I've I followed Langridge for a long time, and that dude has a uncanny sense of comedic timing. And and when I think, in my opinion, that's the most difficult thing to write is to get somebody to actually laugh or 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 feel the the pacing to the point where they they get it and and they're they're there with the timing so that kind of writing chops kind of spills over into other dramatic uh, situations and and style so as far as the writing i think it's covered as far as the art you've more than covered it from what i've seen i think it's going to be the book to get yeah uh, well i mean if you like his comedy i mean there's there's definitely that in here i mean it's not a comedy book but i think with everything you need a bit of levity to to heighten drama mm-hmm. right. there's there's, good, there's a good deal of them in here uh, we were uh, driving to north carolina for free comic book day and i was reading the script for issue three well i, I was obviously in the passenger seat, I did the <laughs> seat probably, but uh, i was reading the script and just laughing out loud i mean for an action superhero comic there is some really funny stuff in here hopefully i can pull it off in the art but man just reading the script i mean it's just a it's a fun time reading script so you know, really, I really, really hope to pick this up. I mean, we're having a really good time. I want to do it for a long time. So, you know, hopefully we can get the, the support to how I do that for a while. It's going to be one of those things that will sell itself once the quality becomes apparent. Totally. And I just saw the first. You better. Welcome back on. And make sure you guys see <laughs> I actually just got the, the first seven colored panels or colored paints for, uh, for the first issue. From Wilson, and it's awesome. Nice. Uh, well, you've got you have no better salesman than David Price. That's true. Da- oh, <laughs> yeah, that's who you want in your corner. Between all the stuff that Chris talked about me on around comics, and as much as you talk about me on this show, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to give you guys a cut. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I uh, I take it to Martin. Uh, Martin Goodman, who was my publisher at the time, and I says, Martin, I got a name, I got an idea for a character, and he says, Great, Stan, lay it on me. You always got fantastic ideas. You're the top guy here at Marvel. And I says, I know. Let me just tell you about this, though. And Martin says, Okay, lay it on me. So uh, I stand there, staring blankly for about five seconds, and then I says, Jesus. And then Martin just stares blankly back at me like I had lobsters crawling out of my ears. And uh, he says, Stan, what the fuck are you talking about? And I says, Jesus. And he goes, I don't get it. Right? So uh, me being Stan Lee, Excelsior, you know, quick on my feet, I says, uh, he's the Messiah. And then Martin says, oh, well, a Messiah, eh? And, uh, you know, DC at the time, the Distinguished Competition, had a very popular Moses book. And... Uh, Martin had, you know, batted the idea around of doing, you know, a, a, a deity type of comic. And uh, he says, uh, all right, Stan, why don't you go back with the boys in the bullpen and uh, see what you can wake up for me. And then maybe maybe this Jesus thing will, will take off. And so I says, okay. And uh, so I goes to the bullpen and I says to uh, Koibi, I went to Koibi first because she just had an excellent design sense and he was a hard worker. And, uh, you know, just just an all-around jolly jolly fella so i says i says jack make me a jesus and jack says i don't get it wait, wait, what's a jesus stand is this another monster like uh you know like the other monsters we had done 
Uh, she's like, do you want me to do like a dragon type monster? What, what's going on here? What's what's a Jesus? I don't. You, you need to give me more than just a Jesus. I mean, I can't. I can't just work with the name. That's not. That's not an invention. And I says, yes, it is an invention. And you'll you'll get back to work. And he says, uh, whatever. So I says, he's the Messiah. So Jack says, uh, Messiah, huh? Well, all right. So Jack gets to work on the costume design. And uh, I come back to him late in the afternoon, and we sort of talk about what he had. And uh, Jack's initial idea for, for Jesus was it for him to be a child who, uh, when he put on a magical ring that he had found in a cavern, that he would turn into an adult, uh, you know, deity. And I says, oh, I don't know, Jack. I'm not, I'm not so sure about that idea, you know, and uh, the Captain Marvel stuff was, was very big at the time, you know, Shazam, and uh, we just didn't, we didn't want it to look, to be, look like we was ripping them off. So I says, but let, let's just see what the costumes designs are. And the first one he showed me was, uh, was you know, the standard superhero type outfit, you know, it was a blue spandex uh, with uh, yellow underpants on the outside and uh, yellow boots, you know, like the swashbuckling boots. And a big J on the chest. And I says, Jack, I don't know about this. I mean, the big J? It's like, you know, I, I, I just wasn't feeling it. And uh, and then I looked down a little closer to buy the, buy the tights, by the underpants, you know. And, uh, you know, it was a belt buckle with another big J on that. And there was just lots of big J's. There was just too many J's going on with the outfit. So I says, Jack, let's, uh, let's maybe shove this for a little while. Let's think about it. And, uh, you know, we'll move on. And by the time I was ready to come back to it, uh, you know, Jack had already drawn another, you know, 1,500 pages and uh, told most of my stories for me. And uh, I just decided it wasn't worth the effort. But then I, I, so I took the idea over to Don Heck, of all people. Don Heck, right? Who, who knew? I says, Don, make me a Jesus. He's the Messiah. And Don says, uh, yeah, all right. So Don gets to work. And Don, uh, being very hip to what the college kids were doing with the toga parties and the beard growing and, and uh, you know, the long hair getting and all that sort of thing that was just really uh, coming about at the time, uh, Don, Don had his finger on the pulse of, uh, you know, oily 60s youth. And uh, so Don just, uh, he whips up this toga outfit with the guy with the long hair with the beard. And I says, that's it. That's our Jesus. And incidentally, and I'm sure not quite coincidentally, is, uh, you know, I was really able to identify with this Jesus. Am I very, uh... Now, there, was, uh, there was talk on your blog about a contest regarding the first two issues. Is that still definite? Yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be doing uh, a contest. Um, so all the rules will be coming up here shortly. Um, okay. We wanted to try and get the... Uh, Move and everything squared away before I started. Sure. You know, also a lot of stuff out there. But it'll be a contest for when the first issue comes out. You know, we're going to try and get people to uh, to do a little something. And you know, if I'm kind of willing, I'm, I'd like to do some really awesome prizes. A um, little more than just you know, a handshake and smile. Um, <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll get the, all the uh, the news up on that on the blog soon. So let's lapse a little bit into the usual format of our show and ask you, because you're our guest, what have you been reading recently that's uh, lit a fire under you? Uh, well, I, I just picked up a new atlas today. I, I, have, I haven't had a chance to read it. I, I came home and I'm still working on thumbnails, but 
um, I need to get turned in in the morning. But I'm I'm jazzed about that. It was uh, originally I was supposed to be the artist on the backup for Atlas, and unbeknownst to me, like already they had already signed me up to do Thor. So uh, they're like, oh yeah, you can't do too many books at once. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, the solicit originally had my name. And, yeah, I gave you some shit about that at C2E2. Yeah. Because <laughs> I told you it was like my dream book, having Hardman and you both doing doing the same book. I and know, that, right? And I was like, what the fuck? But now that's cool, I understand. Yeah, well, you know, I worked with Parker once before on, on a backup for X-Men 18 of Atlas. And, you know, we're moving closer now. Hopefully this will, that won't be the, the last time that we get to, to work together. And uh, time willing, I'd really like to, to still do some work on Atlas. Um, I mean that's that book is just so much fun. Uh, you know that's that's the sort of stuff that I, I get into is you know the pulpy you know fun stuff. I mean Parker just nails it every issue. Yep. So you know I I really dig Atlas, um, Strizzy Goth, um, which uh, is Glenn Brunswick and Dan McDade. The last issue just came out today. Yep. Um, I'm crying tears for you know, hopefully. People will buy tons and tons of the trade and get it to come back. I, I just love it. Love the series. Love the art. Love the writing. It's one of my, my favorite comics that's out on the stand nowadays. Um, and uh, Dan McDade is actually one of the uh, art contributors, um, the mm-hmm. uh, group blog that we do. Um, and he's a hell of a guy and a hell of an artist. So hopefully I can get to see more through the guys stuff from him soon. But yeah, Jersey Gods is my, my highest recommendation. Um, and, well, of course, because uh, it's about Jersey, the best state in, in America. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> oh, why. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, it is quite a throwback, though. I, I love the book myself. It's, it's, hey, I live yeah. in New Jersey. Even I am even I know that's that's not true. So, <laughs> so. But, I mean, there's, there's tons of great stuff coming out now. Um, X-Factor Forever? Um, Yay. Yeah, yeah Wheezy! <laughs> That book is awesome. The notion is killer. Are you just are you just going to name any book that your other comic quarters are working on right now, or? <laughs> oh, David. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just asking. That's all. I just that's a pretty good burn. No, I actually I I tend to buy stuff that my friends do. That makes nice. sense. So, Respect. So, I mean, we bought way 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 too many comics from the shop today because it's like, oh well, you know, Kelly Sue wrote this, and Nate Fair Fair worked on this, and you know, I really. I think it's cool to, to get books by people that you know. I mean, it's, Absolutely. it's sort of that, that, you know, the dream that I had when I was a kid. Like, wouldn't it be cool to, like, know people who make comic books? Absolutely. <laughs> <And, laughs> it's, it's sort of, you know, we talk about comics every day. And it's a whole other thing to not just talk about them. I, I live comics every day, working on them and talking about them. I, all my friends in comics. So, to see the fruits of their labor while, you know, while we're all still doing that, I, I just get a kick out of it. And then the fact that all of my friends make amazing comics is just, it's, you know, it's a uh, cherry on top of the cake. Wow, you sound like a great great friend to have. I know, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying uh, he's yours, but he sounds I, like Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I just try, uh, try and support my friends, you know. Uh, yeah, the six awesome. guns. I don't know if you guys are reading that or not. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, the, sure. I read the, the uh, first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot that. Uh, Cullen Bunn. And... Yeah, Cullen uh, Bunn and Brian Hurt. The book mm-hmm. is freaking awesome, and it's going to melt people's eyebrows uh, when I do the next issue. Um, so I'm trying to find a pile. There's 
everything is in boxes right now. Uh, I'm looking at the stuff that I just got today and it's kind of in a box. We're still kind of getting ready for the move. My uh, my studio is in you know travel mode, so it's just a desk and a board and whatever everything that I need to make comics. Yeah, and most of uh, a lot of the the stuff that I read tends to be if it's not you know coming out of that Wednesday, a lot of it is you know Silver Age stuff or newspaper collections. I just got the second volume of Rip Kirby um, by Alex Hammond a couple of days ago. I found that that's helped my stack of stuff to probably not read but flip through in the in the near future that it quite is home. Um, you know, not a ton of time to read but kind of stuff to, to hopefully get through soon. Plenty of time to read on the road though, so Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's mm. always time for Alex. Yeah. So well, how about any of the other guys wanna talk about something they've read and, and Chris feel free to pop right in and um, inter- interject. Yeah, I got a little something. Um and uh, well, we know, we're talking about comics, though. Yeah, well, oh, I wasn't talking about something instead of That's comics. That's not nice, David. Um, oh, he's not sorry, Chris. So, so uh, <laughs> it's a book that uh, that Vince almost got me to buy at the Cedos <laughs> Idos, and for some reason I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't because I had already pre-ordered the new version of it, so I'm glad that I didn't oh, double really? dip. Uh, and that is 100% by Mr. Paul Pope. Oh. oh, Jason. You win me over every week. Nice. Uh, I must admit, as I know people every now and then get shocked at uh, what, a, what a novice. Fox, though, right? <laughs> right. Um, I'm certainly a Paul Pope fan, but admittedly, um, some of his seminal works I'm not all that familiar with. So I ordered 100%. I knew it by reputation. I had never read it. Uh, so when they put out a new collected edition, I thought, this is perfect. What a great opportunity. It's um, So it just came out, uh, I think, last week or the week before. I uh, read it, uh, I think, uh, on Monday, and, I mean, what more can you say? The man, <laughs> certainly after reading this, I can even more appreciate why he is, when you say Paul Pope, it's almost like you have to put air quotes on it, because it's like the man is, it's not just the man's name, it's almost like, you know, it, it, he's ascended beyond just being named Paul Pope, it's almost like the entity of Paul Pope. He's become um, a style, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, the book is obscenely beautiful, Um uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a really wacky story that at its, at its core is, uh, about a couple different relationships in the same futuristic New York, or at least New York-esque city. Um, but, uh, people that have listened to our show know that, uh, I am a fan of the, uh, of the, uh, naked ladies and, uh, certainly the, one of the protagonists of the story is a, uh, is a futuristic stripper. Um, and it's just, you know, Pope just gets right down to that, that rawness, that, 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 that component of humanity that, that just lives in the now because it's just about emotion and what they're feeling in the moment. And, yeah. uh, and if you take a step back, their lives are pretty fucked up, but, but in the moment they can kind of put all of their issues aside and just, uh, enjoy the, the, the visceral pleasures of the, uh, of, of what's happening then and there. And, uh. Uh, it was it was an amazing experience. It's a, it's, a, it's an amazing book, and um, well, tell, uh, don't short sell it. Tell them what kind of stripper she is, because I think that's one of the cooler aspects of the of the book. You mean in the sense that that you can see her insides? Is yeah, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's, it's taken it right. It's in the future, and they they have a little. I mean, he has you know, Pope certainly has some messages behind his work, and and he he goes off a little bit about that. 
America, well, the, the the average human being is is perverse, and we you know we were we used to be burlesque, and then strippers were okay, and the nude body was okay, and then porn, and then porn begat really nasty porn and bestiality, and and just you know humanity just kept looking for more and more depravity to the point where someone invented a way for uh, instead of just looking at a stripper, you could actually see her insides as she stripped. Uh, <laughs> I and, love and, that. Yeah, and, and so she, she strips, and you see her insides moving around, her intestines and whatnot projected above her, and also she is lit on fire. Now, yeah. it's a, it's computer-generated, so she's not actually you know getting hurt or scarred, but she's essentially looks like she's burning. Um, and uh, that's what gets people off in this day and age. And uh, it's, it's certainly, if you look at the Internet and, and the vast enormity of pornographic material that's available in every basic, you know... Uh, What's the word? A fetish that you could imagine is pretty much there for the taking. He he certainly when he wrote this and I think he wrote this in two thousand and two. He 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 certainly saw where the world was going. Um, not to say it wasn't that way in two thousand and two, but I think with the advent of broadband and the internet, it's even more so like that today. So um, you know, he really was spot on in in the way that we've become a society that is all about consuming things and then throwing them away and forgetting about them. Two seconds later, so um, I just thought it was astounding. I, I loved, I loved every second of it, and uh, and and definitely wish I had had the forethought to have experienced this when it was coming out eight years ago. So, have you guys read it? I assume. Hell yeah! Yep. I, I have not. I have not yet. Either. Oh, I, so I, we, I know, I know. There you go. We got to get on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Pope, Pope's but line is, a, is alive. Uh, the, yeah, that man, yeah. he can do stuff with a brush. I can't even conceive that that it's possible to do things like that, and it's it, it's almost like a sleight of hand. The guy's magic, just mm-hmm. an amazing, he, amazing artist. He was a uh, he was a highlight of Wednesday Comics. So I'll definitely. Oh yeah. To, to oh sure, that. and this is yeah a little even different from that, and it's amazing because it's it's black and white with gray tones. And did you know who did the gray tones on the book, Vince? Do you remember? Oh, I'm on the spot. Um, no, I do not remember. Lee Lowridge. Oh, wow. okay. It's it's some of his first comics work, and it's interesting that it's gray tones, and obviously now he's he's getting quite a name for himself as a colorist. And do you know who did the letters? Workman, I think. Mm-hmm. Workman, yeah. exactly. Right. Uh, so it, it's it's funny too because seeing this work, um, I, I don't know if this has always been the case, but I I see a ton of this in Jeff Smith's Razzle. Okay. I don't know if Smith is on is on record as being a Pope fan. But I can't look at Razzle and not think that he's a big Pope fan now because I, uh, you know, Bone and Razzle don't, I think, I mean, you could, they're both by Jeff Smith, but they don't, I think, have the exact same sensibility. To me, Razzle looks a lot like this. Hmm. I think uh, Smith's line is a lot more sculpted than Pope's. Pope's, yeah. to, to me, yeah, Pope seems faces, to just throw it down in the best way. Or what's going I mean, just from right. the first issue or two of Razzle mm-hmm. I read, I can definitely, especially in the. Um, Ah, oh, damn! It's been so long. The the the, the people who are after the, exactly, exactly. I can definitely see Paul Pope. Pope and oh, Smith okay. used the big, you know, big, very big lips, very pronounced lips, and 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 lots of lines in the face to give give extra depth. To me, their faces. I'm really thinking of their faces. The faces okay. to me look a lot, a lot, Does, very much. So you're similar. you're speaking in terms of design. Yeah, I can I yeah. can see yes. that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right on. But this is a very raw, visceral, sexual adult book. I mean, this is not something you want to have your kids read. But, um, but if you like mature stories, and it's funny too because I'm reading this. You know, I've I've often been on record as not. I really wasn't feeling Lapham's um, 
young liars and I you know I have, I'm on record as not really being that big of a local fan and people often think that means I don't like slice of life or or I, I have a problem with with the, those kind of oh, characters you know, I think this book is very much yeah this book is very much in that same of that same ilk I mean it's the same kind of characters they're kind of losers they don't really know what they want to do with themselves they're kind of struggling and I love this book so again I just think again it's it's how you tell stories about these characters not so much the characters in and of themselves so nah. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They've been Pope himself has been hinting for for years uh, about a collected THB. That that's the series. Wow. If if you find yourself uh, becoming a Paul Pope fan, you need to read THB. the The early issues are hideously expensive and very hard to get, and mm. it's never really been collected in any. Uh, significant manner uh and because again he started off as a typical regular size comic and then he blossomed into these huge oversized editions so it's tough it, it, just from a, a logistics standpoint it's tough to collect all that but he's been hinting for years that yeah we're going to collect thb i can't wait for that collection because it is going to be monumental when that thing comes out mm. it's i think that's his um, it's hard to say best work, but that's the work that really I fell in love with him with that series, okay. and it, it is his signature piece. And I really sure. hope we do eventually get to see a, a THB collection because oh, the guy he's a virtuoso, really. Mm-hmm. Well, before well, I, I get to, oh, no, go I ahead, just, you go. Just wanted to finish up one thing. I just wanted to say uh, at the back of the book, there's a a treatise by Pope about uh, his process and how this came about. Um, and there's just one thing I thought that uh, Chris. Yeah, would would appreciate and um, he he just says personally I find the most satisfying aspect of making comics to be the simple act of inking inking is pure bliss that's heaven the real work lies in the initial plot story creation not the initial blast of inspiration which may flesh out into a story but in the actual fleshing out of a plot adding layer by layer the story elements which lead to a logical ending finding and illuminating within the story the implicit themes you're working with all that's in the inking so I just thought uh, I thought of Chris when I read that and thought you know, again, it's uh, the powers in the inks, you know, so. Too true. My pencils suck. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, no, I, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, the, uh, a lot of it is there when you read it, but, I mean, it's not, it doesn't feel concrete until you make it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, um, I think that a, a step further, though, I mean, it's still not a comic book until... You know, it's colored or, or lettered and, and in your hands. I mean, that's the, the final product. I mean, I I get the, the most joy out of inking, but, you know, it's it's still just, you know, it's still just a sheet of paper unless, you know, it goes a bit further. I, I, I get the biggest kick out of actually seeing it in my hands more than, you know, than, than the making of it. That's um, cool. So it's it's the collaborative I mean, process that really does it for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, uh, uh, I can't find a word. It's it's collaborative. So I mean, each of us are are, are doing our own part of the assembly line. So I mean, it's you know, it comes out every month, so it doesn't have it's not going to be perfect. And I mean, we are all rushed all the time. But but seeing that thing in your hand when you're done, you know, that's I can't compare it to anything. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost like a like a comics are like a hybrid organism, this multi-headed thing, where each aspect of the production it, it obviously is done by a different person. Where so you get all these different identities into the book. Let me ask you a question, and I know you can't really name names. What happens when one head of that multi-headed beast isn't 
uh, meshing well with the other heads, so to speak. <laughs> um, the, the, like is it, if they're not firing at all cylinders, or if it's yeah, the, well, if if one person, really yeah, what if one person in the chain is not up to the caliber, or I I don't want to put it that way. Maybe they're just not in sync with the rest of the team. Have you ever had any incidents like that? Um, well, yeah, I'm not going to name names, but, yeah, I mean, not every job is perfect. I mean, everybody, you know, most people don't like their day job. You know, I'll put it that way. Most people don't like their day job, but I do, you know. And mm-hmm. even though the worst experience in college is still my, I'm still doing exactly what I want to do. So, I mean, I can complain about, you know, something not going perfect or, mm-hmm. you know, I can complain about one person or another, but, you know, I'm still doing a job that I love, so I don't feel like I really, you know, I don't think I can gripe about anything. I mean, I, I have my own job, so, um, I'm, you know, things don't always go perfect, you know, with everything. And there are a lot of times that I'm sure a writer or an editor or whoever wasn't 100% happy with the work I turned in, and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, my own worst critic. So, I mean, hopefully whoever I'm working with can inspire me to make my work better. You know, I mean, there's a lot of folks who can just tell you what you're doing wrong, but it's a whole other kind of person that can tell you what you can do to improve. Right, right. That's a beautiful outlook. That's yeah. great, yeah. yeah. I like that. So, I mean, I, I don't know what I was going to say next anymore. <laughs> How about Dapper Vince? What do you, what? What do you guys, you, you got to give a shot. I'm waiting to hear from Vince, yeah. Oh, well, I did something a little different this week. I I was going through some boxes, and I stumbled upon a comic that I absolutely adore. And um, it's a movie tie-in, which (laughs) usually is is a big red flag. Uh, Stay away, because as we've seen over the years, movie tie-in comics are not always all that hot Mm -hmm. for for whatever reasons. But this this is is one of the few uh, that I found that's just really wonderful on, on all levels. Uh, it was great stuff. No, it was published published in 1968. Whoa! By Gold Key, aka Western Publishing Company. It's uh. a giant size, 68 page, 35 cent comic. Don't see many of those today. No. Um, <laughs> so this is part history because there are a lot of misconceptions on both the movie that this from which this was adapted and the 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 creative team that put this together uh it was written by Paul S Newman have any of you heard of Paul S Newman Paul Newman sure no no <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy that the majority of of comic readers have not heard of this man because he's credited in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most prolific comic book writer ever what? Yes, with more than 4,100 published stories amounting to 36,000 pages, give or take. Give or take. In, huh. in 1962, Newman and Western Gold Key editor Matt Murphy created a character later popularized by one Jim Shooter. Uh-huh. Uh, a character scheduled to have yet another extension to his life very soon at Dark Horse. I'm talking about Dr. Solar, Man of the Atom. There you go. Yeah. He also wrote Get this, a 26-year run on the original adventures of another character that later found a home at Valiant, Turok Dinosaur Hunter. 26 yes. years. Can you imagine writing and something don't know for his two, name. Uh, I know. It's it's a, it's a crime. Uh, Paulus Newman. Um this issue was penciled and inked 
by another name with which we should be very familiar, Jose Delbo. Jose drew Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, Supergirl, and the Superman Daily Strip for DC in the 70s. He had a number of stints at Gold Key on Buck Rogers and Dr. Solar. Performed admirably on a handful of licensed properties for Marvel in the 80s, books like Thundercats, Transformers, Captain Planet, David's favorite NFL Super Pro. Oh, and nice. uh, and he later found he found a home drawing Mickey Spillane's Mike Danger for Techno wow. Comics. Yeah, Techno. Yeah, so two veterans of which we've heard very seldom. Uh, and the film, there's misconceptions about this film too because it's a triumph of design. One of the most startlingly original animated films ever conceived. I call it a masterpiece, and screw you if you don't agree. And it was not, as is commonly cons uh, believed, to have been designed by Peter Max. No. The film's art director was a German illustrator named Heinz Edelman. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Um, Yellow Submarine. Yes. Yes, The, the Beatles' <laughs> Yellow Submarine. And, and oh, usually, yo. I mean, if you ask 9 out of 10 people who know artists, they'll say, oh, yeah, Peter Max. No, 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 no. Art, the art director was Heinz Edelman, and it's crazy because the Beatles kind of removed themselves from this project. The, the, the last mm -hmm. movie they did before this, uh, before Yellow Submarine, I think was Help, and that didn't go over all that well, and they didn't really have a very good experience doing it. So th right. they, when they um, pushed the idea of them doing an animated feature, uh, across the grand Beatles desk. They were kind of reserved and said, why don't you just take it? But when Edelman became associated with it, he created the, a lot of the characters that were crucial to the film. Like the Nowhere, Nowhere Man, that uh, Jeremy Hillary Boob Jr., the Blue Meanies, the Butterfly Stompers, that's uh, all Edelman's creations. Am I getting staticky? No. Okay. And the director of the film, George Dunning, has said that many of Edelman's ideas shaped and redirected the very plot of the film. That's an art director. I mean, this guy was instrumental to the success of this film. Uh, visually, you've both seen it, I'm sure. It's freaking stunning. You, you can't walk away from Yellow Submarine and not be changed in some way. It's just so... Mm -hmm. The vision of that film is so pervasive. It just it gets to you. But, but back to the comic. Um, back in the day... Gold Key had gained an unfortunate reputation of not exactly being faithful to the source material in their many adaptations of licensed material, but in their defense, the Yellow Submarine comic was created long before the film's premiere, so the creative team only had production art, and uh, since the film itself was created like on a, a catch-as-can basis, a very slight plot and character overview from which to work, but... Against the odds, they did a really wonderful job. The, the comic is as stream of consciousness and punny as the film, but it does, and this is the neat part, it frequently deviates from the source material. That's where it gets so cool because um, you've seen the film and everybody is uh, intimately, who has seen it, intimately familiar with the events. This, it's almost like there's cutting room floor scenes that we've never seen and different little adventures of, of the Beatles in the sub with, with Fred from Pepperland. It's, it's so cool. As a Beatles fan, this is just the icing on the cake for me. Um, you remember the sequence when they're going to, 
save Sergeant Pepper and the Lonely Hearts Club Band, and they're in the submarine, and they're going to the Sea of Green, and they, they, they go through all those various seas in order to get to them. Well, Paul S. Newman, I have to put the S in there because it sounds like you're talking about the actor. Um, mm -hmm. he, he added a bunch of stuff to the narrative that's really cool. They, they travel through a sea of consumer products, and, and there's nice. a floating Andy Warhol soup can. They go through a sea of cinema where John falls head over heels in love with a mermaid. <laughs> and and, nice. the, and the, the rest of the band are attacked by cowboys and Indians and World War I biplanes and King Kong. <laughs> King Kong goes after the Beatles. Uh, there's a sea where, uh, full of these little fame bubbles containing the essences of history's great men. There's a, a Shakespeare bubble, uh, an Einstein bubble. They, they travel through the Sea of Time. They're chased by a fire-breathing carnivorous brontosaurus. And, it, <laughs> wow. you know, if you know brontosaurus, they did not eat meat or breathe fire. Um, but they're saved thanks to George and a bit of creative visualization. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, they go through the Sea of Nowhere, uh, which depicted the characters uh, like John Byrne's Snowbird story in Alpha Flight. The, their, the whole section is, is absolutely devoid of any kind of detail in the panels. It's just the Beatles and Fred and the submarine. And the no oh, snap. <laughs> no, it's really well done. It, oh, okay. um, uh, Jose Delbo penciled and inked it, and he really got the feel for Edelman's characters. It's, it's very op art. Uh, clean line. There's not a lot of blacks, uh, and there shouldn't be. Because in, in keeping with the film, it's all about the color. And whoever the colorist was, I think it's almost impossible to find out who actually colored this. It's, it's, as it's not quite as kaleidoscopic as the film, but back then they had actually cut rubolith or, uh, or amberlith for the, to, to lay down the colors. And I cannot imagine any stripper on the face of the planet that would want to cut ruby necessary to approximate the look of the film. It's that that would be like the work of, of a, a squadron of, of strippers, which is kind of a neat thought. Um, but uh, as far as punny goes, there's you, you know, if the film where it was just one one liner after another, there's one le neat little thing that Newman put in the book. The, the Beatles are thrown from the submarine and uh, John says, look, the sub's going off without us. And George comes back with, you mean without us within it. And Paul says, "No, this is no time to plug your own songs." So it's, it, there's like a, you know, there's an inside track on the Beatles too. It's a really great comic, but I have to be honest, I do own the issue, but it's kind of expensive as far as back issue goes. Um, in fine condition, it's worth about ninety nine. Near mint, you'll pay about two fifty to three hundred for it. So I didn't want, yeah, I didn't want to read my issue, so I read it on the next best thing, which is my iPad. Oh, and, and, and it was a hell of an experience. I, I just, and if you poke around online, you can very quickly find digital versions of this thing. It's never been reprinted. Nobody's losing money uh, on this if you download it and read it. Uh, it, it's gorgeous, glorious, a hell of a lot of fun. And it's the Beatles. What more awesome. do you want? Yeah. It's a great little comic. Chris, you, you like the film? I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, dude. <laughs> you make Vince feel old. No, that's a, yeah. Well, I do feel old anyway. <laughs> I but yeah, sure. I think they played it in my school, but I wasn't in that. I wasn't in that class. Oh snap! Oh, eleven o'clock <laughs> comics. Oh, actually, this brings no, up a good I, question, Chris. No. How old are you, Chris? I'm thirty. Okay. Oh, good God! I'm 
15 years older than you. <laughs> Old man. Yep, I fart dust. That well, that, that's the eleven o'clock comics uh, extracurricular activity for you is to, to see Yellow Submarine. I think you'll be changed. There's a future comic part. There you go. Ugh, it won't be my week. <laughs> oh snap! Oh, no. Dang. Oh well, can't win them all. <laughs> Hey there, 11 o'clock comics, uh, true believers, and all that jazz. Uh, sorry, the machine cut me off on my previous message, but I, and I wasn't able to tell you the exciting ending of how I invented Jesus. By the way, it's me, Stan Lee, Excelsior. Anywho's, uh, so yeah, Don had brought back the designs, and they looked fantastic, and I was able to identify with the characters. And, uh, so I take it into Martin Goodman, who was, of course, my publisher at the time, Martin, and I says, Martin, here's Jesus. And uh, Martin took one look at the at the drawings, and he says, you know, Don's a fine artist. And I said, that's right, he's a fine artist. I told him what to draw. I made him fine. And Martin says, you know, Stan, I don't doubt that. But uh, I look at this drawing, and, uh, you know, I'm just not sure that the kids these days want uh, a young, hip-looking messiah. Uh, I, I, I just think, you know, given the success of, of the Moses book at DC, I, I think the kids want... Uh, you know, an angry, older, more vengeful God, and uh, I just, I'm just not uh, sure that they're going to be hip to this, if you, if you know what I'm saying. And I says, uh, I says, Martin, I, I think you're wrong, and I, I, I think, I think this guy's going to be bigger than the Beatles. And uh, he says, Who the fuck are the Beatles? And I says, Oh, you'll see. I've already invented them, and this guy's going to be bigger than them. And he says, Well, uh, all, all right. He says, but uh, regardless of that fact, uh, you know, I just, I just think uh, now may not be the right time for for uh, a young hip Jesus. So he says, okay, you know, we'll we'll put it on the shelf for a little while, and we'll come back to it later, and we'll talk about it again. So, um, so I I go home. I'm feeling a little bit dejected, and uh, and I says to Joni, you know, I released the whole story to her and about uh, about the Jesus and the Messiah, and you know, Martin not wanting a young Messiah, and and uh, Joni just uh, she turns to me and she says, Stan, you're Stan Lee, Excelsior. You should tell the stories about the Messiahs and the deities that you want to tell, and you should just say, uh, you know, say whatever you want. And I says, you know what, Joni, you're right. I'm Stanley Excelsior. I'm going to march into Martin's office tomorrow, and uh, we're going to get this Jesus book made. So, uh, so the next day, I I I, uh, I stroll into Martin's office, and I says, Martin, I really think this is a solid idea. And uh, you know, Don's done a, fa- a, a really a fantastic job, you know, a bang up job on these uh, on these character mockups, and I I, I just think it's going to be a hit. And Martin says, well, I tell you what, we've got this magazine, uh, you know, uh, Amazing amazing Fantasy, I think it was called at the time. He says, you know, I'll give you, if we're going to cancel the we're gonna cancel the book in the next two issues. You can have one of the backup stories in the next two issues for this Jesus character. And just, you know, at least get it out of your system so you can get it out there and realize that the kids are not interested in a young messiah and uh, just go from there. So I says, okay, that's fair. That's fair, Martin. So we publish it. And then uh, three months later, we get the returns on the, on the orders and, and the sales figures. And Martin calls me into his office and he says, uh, Stan, you remember that Jesus fella that uh, we both like so much? I think we should give him an ongoing series. The kids really seem to like this, uh, 
this uh, young hit messiah. And I says, you're right, Martin. They do like him because I, Stanley Excelsior, invented him. And he says, you know what, Stan? I think you're right. I think you're right. And then we, uh, you know, faded to black, and I went back to my desk. So, uh, so that's the story about how I, Stanley Excelsior, uh, you know, created Jesus. So uh, next time when you go to church, or if you know, you, you say a prayer to to, to Jesus, uh, if if you could just do me, Stanley, a, a favor, and just uh, just very quietly, just at the end, just say thanks, Stan. Thank you. And I promise you I'll hear you, and I promise you that, that uh, it, uh, uh, it it will mean a lot to me, Stanley. So, uh, anywho, thanks a lot for your time, True Believers. I know I rambled on for quite a while, but I thought it was a very interesting story. And uh, I'll see you guys on the interwebs. Excelsior! What you got, Dap? I, uh... Well, I'm still sitting on the stuff we didn't we we, we haven't talked about yet. I mean, we haven't talked about X Factor forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really uh, talked about Siege Chris, either. Chris no. just said he t- Chris just said he read it. So let's talk about X Men. Well, uh, we can talk about that. X-Men. We can talk about Siege Embedded. We can talk about Siege Number Four. So since Chris isn't here, let's talk you about know what? It all. I would like to talk about Siege Embedded because I'm waiting for the trade on that. I want it all in one chunk. Oh, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm said that snap. Wow. Hurt. Well, it. It's not quite a retaliatory snap, but it works. Um, Are you reading Siege proper? I, I'm, I, yeah, Siege proper. I got in the singles, but Siege embedded because, yeah, I, for whatever reason, I've trimmed my single buying down to just the bare essentials. Uh, as far as Marvel goes, I get Amazing Spider-Man. I got Siege and the Hulk books, and that's it. I, well, I, I want say every one thing about the collected edition of this. I would, I think you should go out and buy the single issues because. Uh, because somebody kicked ass in it, but if you buy the collected oh, edition, it's also going to have Fallen Sun in it. Yeah, that's why I did it. Buy. Yeah. No, no, no. You want the four issues of Siege Embedded. You don't want. You don't want the four issues of Siege Embedded with Fallen Sun at the end. Trust well, I, me. Will, I will say. I will say. I it 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 was flawed. There were holes in Fallen Sun, but I did not hate it. I thought it was oh, pretty I, damn good. I, I, Whether, oh my god! I thought it was seriously one of the worst comics ever. I I mean, Jenkins can do a hell of a lot better than what he. First of all, Ben Grimm would never almost kill anybody, especially the record. Exactly. Um, I don't know about that. And that's that's only if the record kept going on about how 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 he almost that that he beat Thor, and and it, it just. There were just too many. We don't have enough time to talk about the false books. Wow. Tom Brady. Tom. Tom Brady helped that book for me not to hate it but uh no i didn't i i didn't despise it as 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 much as many other people online did uh embedded was great because i am a i'm a ben urich fan so Mm -hmm. uh it was it was so unlike frontline frontline during civil war and and even secret invasion was was such a downer of a book, whereas here with, with the right, edit, right. getting you're getting Ben's point of view, even though the subject matter was uh, it wasn't dark and dreary, it wasn't all happy. It was it it, it it I can't even say it was a lighter tone, but it just it it felt and read different than than the frontline stories did, and and it was a I felt it was like more, a buddy movie, almost. but it, it, I I felt I was I, I guess I related better to Ben 
and 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 seeing what he was going through, trying to get to Oklahoma and all this, right. and, and I it, it was I felt closer to Ben in this book than than I would you know the, the, than Spidey or or Bucky or anybody in the Siege proper mini. I mean between between the story Brian Reed wrote and and of, and of course Chris's art and and it was it was just it wasn't the opposite of Siege, but it it added to the whole enjoyment of 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 the event and it was it it really was something that i think you need to have read with with the main mini cool but there and there really wasn't a whole hell of a lot of time in the siege proper to go into that kind of stuff well that's why right but you know so you're you're getting it from a different perspective right and that's neat and it makes it it makes the mini make sense because another it's Detailing, I don't want to say the calm areas, but the areas that Bendis didn't really have time well, to sure, go into. And, and and make sure you, you you're careful because you will get those that love to claim how oh I didn't understand it because I only read the main many. Make sure you you explain yourself when you say it. It helps the main story. Like if if you just read the main story, which you did, you didn't read embedded. You still got your money's worth. Oh sure, yeah. I mean you still were able to follow it along because you're a big boy and everything. So it was, um, it was, it, I yeah. still think they should limit events to four issues because he nailed it. Four issues was the perfect length. I, so. I, I could stand a longer event. I mean, yeah, I, I think this could have been five issues, but you know, I, I mean, I think it was really cool that he was able to pre- to pare down, you know, an event seven years in the making into four issues and, you know, various tie-ins. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that they all have to be truncated as such. I mean, it all depends on, you know, how big a story they want to tell. It's not like you could tell, mm-hmm. you know, Black as Night in four issues. Um, right, right. But, but uh, then again, though, how much of the uh, story is dictated by the length? Like, if editorial says we need an eight-issue series, how much of that story has been... Padded out. Ex- expanded to fit the eight issues, whereas in the four issues you get more stuff along the lines of what Langridge is doing on Thor with these condensed old timey, which is the way F- Siege felt to me was it was a nice, very concentrated slam bang four issue done w- we're finished storyline, which was welcome to me after what was it Secret Invasion was eight I think uh, that was just way too long. It just right. seemed to go. It seemed to go on forever, uh, and and there was more uh, events and and uh, actual content. I, w- I would say in the second issue of Siege, and there wasn't the entire eight issues of Secret Invasion. Well, so I was going to say, I think that uh, for me, uh, I'm already on record as liking Siege number one a lot more than you, Vince. Um, oh yeah. I thought yeah. two and three were near perfect comics. I thought the, yep. those those two issues were as good and individual issues of a event from the big two I've read maybe ever. Um, I thought four was fine. I didn't think it was great. I, I thought it was good, not great, but overall made for a pretty good event. Surely did wipe the slate, which was, yeah, was exactly. I mean, I think the, 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 the it, it certainly put it for first for, I'm not one of them, but for those who are critics of, Bendis, if, and if Neesman were still here, he'd be, I'm sure, making this point. Um, I, I, I think fair or unfair, his critics have said that he, he's, ne- he's never met a story he didn't want to continue. Um, and to that point, again, as we mentioned last week, I think Siege was Bendis's way of number one, showing he could write a condensed story, 
and number two, showing he could end a story. Um, and I, I, I think he actually he ended his his. I know he's going to continue in writing Avengers books, but he's to me this was an end to a story. He told an end, and it 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 set reset the status quo into a new direction, and it wrapped up things. And sure, it left new things to explore, but that's the nature of serialized entertainment. That's right. Marvel and DC are in that business that they're never it's, they're never going to just end a book unless it's the end of a you know a one off you know maxi series or something of new characters. That that's just so so to that end, they I thought they did a nice job of actually wrapping things up, telling you what happened, what's about to happen, and then setting you a course on the next adventure. So I, I thought right. it was quite good and aggregate. I and I, I just thought. Issue number four felt to me like it could have been out like a forty-page issue, you know, maybe just yeah. because like I thought the the battle at the end with with Reynolds was a little anticlimactic. Um, because it was over twenty-two though, wasn't it? It was. was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It didn't it, feel it, like it, it, but they did have to have yeah. pages because it was a week or two late. Okay. Right. Well, they they could have pared it down by two and not have that double-page explosion. You know that that was eh, right, right. okay, but uh, there was one little thing that I I had no idea uh, had happened the 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 part where Loki takes the power away from the villains and, from the and, hood. Yeah, yeah I, I had no idea that he, that that's where the hood got his powers because it's seven years in the making. That's a lot of Avengers books and and thunderbolts right. and and all i had absolutely no idea that that's where the hood got his powers from but it was pretty self-explanatory once you saw it being well done. he didn't yeah to be clear he for most of his existence he that's not where he got his powers from in, it was recently when he got right, all, recently he lost his he powers all right oh, right because okay. uh in in new avengers he had the one of the arcs was where you he the, the hood arc you know he 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 loses his powers, and you know who he gets his powers from. I, I won't say it in case you haven't read it, but but there to not give spoilers. But he loses the powers, and he's kind of up the creek. And then Loki, being the god of mischief, says, "Well, I can hook you up with powers again." And he gives him the Norn stones. Okay. Um, so yeah. So so, so the hood was that powerful, a, a single entity that he had enough juice to power all those Avengers. Well, yeah, but remember, I mean, wow. well, again, he he doesn't have these Norn stones for long. I mean, it's it's no more than six months. Like he he, the hood was powered by. You know who the hood was? Do you know who the who was powering the hood all this time or no? No, I'm not a I'm not a big on the hood. Well, you but you read New Avengers in hardcover, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I mustn't have got to that point, but right, right. Uh, okay, I mean, you so, could, you could you you could spill it. I don't really care. Well. I mean, it's it's like a year and a half. Old. He, the hood's powers come from Dormammu. That's that's who. Okay. That's, yeah, so yeah. so for for what because he he inter- strange intervenes and a lot of things happen he loses his connection to Dormammu and and so he's kind of up the creek and then Loki says well we need you you're part of the cabal you know I'll hook you up uh, you owe me a favor down the road but I'll hook you up and so he gives him the Norn stones and then he has basically the same powers and it's you know I don't I don't know the history of the Norn stones enough to know if, if that makes sense or not but he has basically the same powers and he can imbue other people with powers after that and all that stuff and um, and and that's sort of where you. You know, and you see a little bit of that, right, with the, um, I know you read the, the I know you're up to date on Punisher, you know, we talked about how, you know, Punisher goes to fight the Hood, and, and, and the Hood brings back all those guys from the bar with no name that Scourge killed, and he gives right, them, he brings, right. I mean, he brings them all back to life because that's the Nornstones, he has the power to do that now, That that's sort of a new thing. So right before that arc on Punisher is basically when he gets these newfangled powers, which Loki then proceeds to strip him of to try and save his own ass in Siege number 4. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cool beans. I, I enjoyed oh, it. Up, uh, 
So yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I like I said, I thought Siege was good. I thought Siege Embedded was it was quite quite entertaining, much better than uh, than than the last Frontline. I thought. Um, I thought uh, it was cool the way that I have to give Marvel credit. I thought it was cool the way that they, because um, I know today's Avengers Day, but but I thought it was cool the way that they wrapped up the Dark Reign. You know, we got the last issue of Dark Avengers, the last issue of New Avengers, the finale, and we got all that in the same week, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, I thought New Avengers finale was a fitting end to a, a long arc. Um, I, I didn't think it was as pretty as Siege number four. Um, I thought the art was a little rushed, but but I thought that uh, the story was was very nostalgic, and uh, it was pretty cool. At the end, they had uh, a bunch of two-page splashes, which were done by the majority of the new Avengers artists. One page, one, one splash per artist, which was kind of dope. Um, you know, kind of different scenes of different art- Avengers and villain teams, which is cool. Um, and you know, I think they've done a nice, clean setting of the of the new heroic age, which is you know all you can really ask. Hats off. I agree. Ditto. <laughs> I haven't really said anything lately. <laughs> well, should we should we talk about something non-Marvel so that people don't lose their minds? Oh my God! Like what? I know. What's what's there worth non-Marvel talking about? Oh, David, did you receive something in the mail this week? I did. Did I you get did. to read I it? Actually, uh, I actually I have I have two things from. Oh, okay. From 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 fans of, of from friends of of the uh, of the forum and 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 listeners of the show, uh, there is a little something from the uh, the, the creator of Super Siblings. Yes, Mister uh, Mister Patrick Scullin, who mm-hmm. uh, has the uh, has the webcomic uh, Super Siblings dot com and. Uh, and I also received a little care package from he on on the on the forum. He goes by Slurmo, uh, Bobgar, or I'm going to probably mangle his last name, uh, Ornalas. And uh, and it was he is he is the artist working with Johnny the Homicidal Maniac on Apocalypse Meh. <laughs> Johnny the Homicidal Drummer. Drummer, drummer. What the, I said, yeah, didn't I? Yeah. Um, the uh, and and there were uh, three issues of uh, of his self-published B one and a pretty kick-ass sketch of Christine Spar. Nice. It really is nice. I have to scan it in. And but- uh, don't forget buttons. And the buttons and the buttons. Yeah, and yes. you, you know what was in my package? What? <laughs> All that you mentioned, but my sketch was Susie <laughs> taking off her top, so you see just the bottom of her boobs, and her head is off panel, and her underwear has a little four symbol right that on the right, right, right on the sweet spot. Yes. Oh, that's nice. It's gorgeous, but as far as the the comics go, oh, they're they're beautiful. I can't wait you to are. read them. They're yeah. really nice, yeah. really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, it's true. I, I I have not read the Slurmo stuff yet, but I did read the Super Sibling stuff um, because it um, Patrick sent it and he uh, dedicated it to me and my boys. Uh, and as you guys know, I do like reading the comics to my boys. So Super Siblings is an all ages comic, and it's uh, it's great. They so loved fun. it. They yeah. They've I've read. Uh, I, we read. Um, there were three issues. He's he put out an issue in. Um, July of 2008, which was introducing the two main characters. Just I, I guess Super Siblings, for those that don't know, is a story of 
uh, Banshee and Scout. Uh, Banshee is uh, the little sister. Scout is the older brother. They are uh, two relatively normal kids, and the motto is uh, one bad, one good, home in time for dinner. And it's uh, it's kind of like, remember in, for those who uh, are our generation and are fans of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, remember how uh, Ferris and his sister, she was always trying to, trying to get her parents to figure out that he was pulling shenanigans. You know, there's the scene where, you know, he's not really sick and he's trying to get home and she sees that and she's, she's trying to get home before him to, to, to catch him. And then that's kind of what super siblings is like. You've got this, the brother who's goody two shoes and he's scout and he's, he's the world's kind of Superman superhero. And then you've got the, the little sister who the parents think is a good kid too, but she's a little bit of a diva and a little bit of a brat and she hates her older brother and she's Banshee and she's one of the world's villains and she's always getting into trying to cause trouble and scouts of course always stopping her in her tracks and uh, and then somehow or another they both manage to always get back home for dinner and not have her, their parents realize that they're the 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 good the evil guy and the the evil girl and the and the good guy and it's really cute it's uh there's two full issues uh one issue number one is called uh uh, it was well, the introduction issue, and then the number two is called Super Science, where they have shenanigans at their their science fair. And then the middle issue, which came out in two thousand nine, is a collection of the web comic strips. Right, uh, Meet the Clarks. Yeah, Meet the Clarks, exactly. So, uh, just wanted to say thanks to Patrick, and also that uh, he's do he's really onto something because my boys. And the art is so cool too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. It's very clean. It's black and white. Um, I don't. It's black and white on the web too, right, David? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, very clean lines. It's it's uh, it's terrific. Uh, it's just it's 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 very easily consumed and and it's very funny and cute and uh, uh, and all ages. My my boys really think it's great and uh, the sibling rivalry. He really captures that. So um, you know, anyone that's got a sibling that thinks kind of that they're a pain in the ass will certainly appreciate this. So thank that. I really appreciate him sending it along. And you can find his work at supersiblings.com. And you can find Slurmo and and his stuff um, on our forum. Right, yeah, and and, yeah. and the writing uh, of Johnny the homicidal drummer. Drummer. At no, Jesus, look what I did. www.11o'clockcomics.com or forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. So let's let's swing it back to Chris a little bit because he's okay. been way too quiet. Sorry, I'm I'm working while we're while we're. Oh, oh this is great. Oh, what page are you working page on? Page. Let's set it up. You suck. <laughs> So we can read I, it. Uh, like, I'm doing thumbnails on page 20 of Thor uh, the Mighty Avenger number three. Oh, that's so page, neat. Page 20. We were there. <laughs> There's little, uh, pic, li- little caricatures of David in all the background with little hearts over their heads. Oh, my gosh. You're <laughs> that's funny. Oh, very nice. That is really cool. Um, So... You you do thumbnails um, before every page. How long does that process take? Is that where the majority of the decisions get made? And then do you f- uh, freestyle it uh, in accord to your thumbnails, or do you? How do you transfer the thumbnails to the later page? Just visually, or do you have some kind of method um, where? Well, well, every every book that I work on is sort of an experiment to see how I can go quicker and make it look better. So mm-hmm. it's sort of trial and error over the years. Um, every every project is always slightly different. Um, the method I'm going at right nowadays, uh, I do my thumbnail sketch, and uh, two of them fit on a 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. They're about uh, 4 by 6 inches. 
each page. Um, they're actually really detailed uh, thumbnails. Actually, let me let me start over. I actually read the scripts. I do really crappy little shorthand drawings in the margins of all of my scripts to give myself an idea when I sit down and do my thumbnails what angles things are going to be. Just little just little clues to myself for later on. Um, I read this script through once, you know, without doing any of that. I read it a second time and do little notes, um, and then go back through the third time while I'm doing it. I'm actually making my thumbnails as I go on four by six. Um, I do one of those. Hopefully, I can do a page every half an hour or an hour, um, and get you know an entire issue done um, in, a, in a day or two. Um, I think all of those thumbnail sketches. And I know a lot of people do blue line, but I'm still light boxing. I take each one of those four by six pages, blow it up to eleven by seventeen, and then print that out and light box that onto bristle board, um, and then you know trace it in, in pencil. It's still pretty rough, and it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's mostly it looks like a coloring book. There's just outlines. That's really about it. It's really light pencil. Um, I, I turn those into my editor. You know, after those are approved, I Start the the fun part and ink all of my my pencils and then and the book is, is all of my part of the book is done and I send it away. Um, I do uh, eleven pages of store each week pencil or ink um, and then I do I also work on serenity at night as well. <gasps> you you said eleven pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. 11 oh pages. wow, that is um, fantastic. Yeah, so we will never have a, a late. Uh, store book. Uh, I have an issue done every four weeks. Oh. Um, so um, two issues are, are currently in the can. I am uh, well on my way to uh, to getting going on the the third issue. I'll start penciling uh, tomorrow. Um, so you know, we'll, I guess there won't be any there won't be any fill-ins, unfortunately. Um, oh, that's great. Unfortunately, thank you. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I guess that's my process. You know. It's it's varied over the years. With uh, with Capote, I printed out all my pencils in blue line just because I, I needed you know a uh, a security blanket sort of uh, is my my uh, my tricycle wheels. Um, I I wanted a, a sort of a backup plan. If I screwed up the ink page, I could start all over again and just print another blue one, which I did a couple of times. I would just re-ink the whole page from from the very beginning. Uh, but nowadays. I pencil so poorly that, you know, all of the inking is the fun part, so there's really nothing I can mess up since, you know, there's really just construction lines in the pencil anyway. So, um, but, yeah, it, wow. that seems to be working right now. I mean, it's probably the fastest I've, I've gone. That's a, and, a hell of a work ethic. I mean, how long are your days? Um, well, I mean, I, I told you guys earlier, I, I, you know, um, I go to bed at about 2 and I get up, you know, around 6.30. Um, Presumably, I mean, you at least allocate uh, a day or two a week to, to spend with your lovely wife. I would hope. Uh, well, I mean, she's my assistant. That's the great thing about um, her being an assistant. Yeah. Well, yeah, but all right. Uh, well, I mean, I, I literally work every waking hour. Um, okay. So, what was the last mean, time you took a vacation? And uh, I don't think cons count, right? Trying to think. I mean, going to a movie, I consider a vacation. I don't. I don't really take vacation. Um, I work all the time. Um, but I get. My serenity book done, and I get far enough ahead on Thor. I plan to take, you know, probably a week on vacation somewhere, somewhere. So, more with the we're saying Hawaii or, or something like that, just something far, far away from, you know, 
Every, I wish every artist had that that work ethic. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm still paying my dues. You know, I mean, uh, once you know, once I, I get to the point where I can slow down a bit, I will. Um, you know, ideally, I just want to work on one book. <laughs> I, I uh, just really, real. You know, um, I have a month or so ago. I counted up the number of projects I was working on at one time, and it, uh, with four, I was doing four different things at once, and, right? Uh, and that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just too much. I was doing, uh, you know, corrections uh, for the second or the second trade of the Mighty, um, working on Siege Embedded, working on Thor and Serenity, and uh, it was just, you know, I had to keep everything up on a bulletin board above my desk just to keep things straight because it's just so jumbled in my head that. Like that's the only thing to, to help me keep it straight. So hopefully soon, just one book, hit it monthly. I'm going to try and work on a nine-to-five schedule. Uh, these are my <laughs> this is my, my new goals for 2010. Um, but we'll see how that goes. That's craziness. Um, I, I wish you had it. It more than two or three books for me out each month. But I, didn't, I didn't meet my goals. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a tenth of your energy. That'd be great. <laughs> I, may, I may actually have, get something done then. you got to get a couple more pots of coffee in it. That's all. Yeah. Seriously. That's what it is. Yeah. All right. We are we are over time. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a long one. Uh as usual, this episode has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Find all your great comics at a fraction of the cost. Uh other places. And uh don't forget, Summit City Comic Con this week. You gotta be there. Check it out. www.summitcitycomiccon.com in your travels. Do yourself a huge favor. Read Atlas, number one. First issue uh, came out today. Did I take your, your pick? No. Okay. And um, keep an eye out, obviously, for uh, Mr. Somni's Storebook, which comes out when? July. Uh, yeah, the first two issues are out in July. I don't know the exact date, but if you want to do in July. Twice order as much great. fun. Order, order both first issues, those that need to pre-order. Yeah. Do yeah, that. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, okay. I got the first issue now. Because then the second, the third issue is going to come out the next month. And you're gonna, you know, you missed something. So just yeah. It was, it, it was a little vague in the Marvel previews catalog that there were that there were two issues, and and I could see how a lot of people would bypass the second. So take mm-hmm. note: there two issues are coming out in one month. Double dipping. You got to get them both. Yeah. Uh, in honor of our guest, I say uh, get yourself a copy of Capote in Kansas. And uh, in your travels, I am reading the first issue right now and already enjoying it a lot, the three-issue miniseries, The Uranium. I knew you would. Oh, for sure. Knew it. By Val Staples. Yep. That guy. That coloring guy. That dude. (laughs) Let me see here. 
Fallen Sun. <laughs> and do yourself a favor and don't read. Run Fallen over, Sun. run over Fallen Sun. In your oh, it wasn't that bad. It, it was very bad, actually. Um, Save it for the fun. But yeah, but uh, in your travels, if you want to read something that uh, that that was not by any stretch bad, um, and is done features the work of an absolute master in the truest sense of the word. Uh, IDW uh, has just released the collected edition of The Ghoul, uh, written by Steve Niles with uh, gorgeous, breathtaking art by none other than Mr. Bernie Wrightson. Yep. So please do yourself a favor and uh, support Bernie Wrightson, because it is damn good to see him doing a book. Can't be better than City of Others. Oh, David. You had to go there, David? Oh, David, David. David. Chris, what should they be reading, in your opinion? Um, can I can I say Jersey Gabs again? Sure, you can say sure. anything you want. Or since, well, I mean, since it, it just ended, how about X Factor Forever? Nice. Where, yes. Uh, people need to be picking that up. I don't know if they are or not, but it's awesome well, so I am far. Wheezy and Mr. Dan Panosian on art. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this and the Origin of Apocalypse is a backup. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. stuff. And they need to visit Comic Fart. Actually, give them all the URLs that they can find you at. Um, I'm at. ChrisSomney.com, C-H-R-I-S-S-A-M-N-E-E.com. Um, I also contribute to a, uh, we have a daily uh, sketch blog called Comic Twart, C-O-M-I-C-T-W-A-R-T. It's comic, we, we started doing uh, art on Twitter for comics, so it's Comic Twart. It, it sounds like a gross word, but it's actually not. Uh, it's just a mix of comic and art and Twitter. So all is all is good. Nothing dirty, I swear. Um, <laughs> so Chris Comic and um, my wife actually posts the drawings that I do for her lunch. Um, oh, whenever I meet her lunch, I do a little a little sketch in there called Lunch Notes, um, and it's lunchnotes.blogspot.com. Lunch Notes is just all one word. Um, so I think that's it. You are a machine. Yeah. They need to clone them. Yeah. Right. You'd no, be happy when want, you did. I don't want to compete with myself. <laughs> well, then they need to clone your work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> they do. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Chris. It was a, such well, a pleasure so to have you. Thank you for having me on, guys. Anytime. Oh, anytime. And, uh, well, and we... thanks to Chris Neesmith for stopping by. Yeah, that's that's yeah, awesome. It's good, it good to see him for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he'll make it a regular thing. Who knows? <laughs> 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 Maybe so we just th- have him off for comic shots. He'll just do the the drink roll call and then bounce out. <laughs> no, he'll he'll come in to plug his shit and then then bow <laughs> out. I'm out of here. Thank you very much. I'm don't don't miss. Yep. There's 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 a twenty dollar retainer right down the toilet. <laughs> Thank you for Bye. being here. We'll be back next week. We love you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.